With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now. You are listening live. The Smoking Musket Podcast. Bye, Guiders. Welcome to another edition of the Smoking Musket Podcast. Recording from the heart of college football, this is Bart Keeler, an editor at SmokingMusket.com. Find me on the site as Bartimus Prime and on Twitter at Bartimus Prime 19. Kind of going a little solo this episode. Um, I'm going to have three separate parts with three separate guests, and I will get to that in a second. But before we get really started, I need to remind you to please subscribe, download, and rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on YouTube at The Smoking Musket. Follow at Smoking Musket on Twitter. Like The Smoking Musket on Facebook. And go to www.smokingmusket.com for daily news, notes, and opinions on WVU Sports. So, like I mentioned, uh, three different parts, three different guests. In part one, I'm going to go over some headlines from the weekend that was in WVU sports, including the run that WVU women's soccer had in the NCAA women's soccer tournament. And then I'm going to talk with Mike Kazaza of the Charleston Gazette Mail about Dana Holgerson's new contract deal. In part two, John Lowe is going to join and discuss the huge win for WVU basketball over other Virginia. And in part three, I am very excited to bring back Smitty to break down the WVU-Baylor game and how we somehow escaped with a win and a 10-win season. So without further ado, here are some headlines. WVU women's soccer came up short of a national championship, falling 3-1 to Southern California in the Women's College Cup Final. However, the Mountaineers did take down superpower program North Carolina 1-0 on on Friday to reach the final. The WVU men's basketball team defeated number 6 Virginia 66-57, proving that we are the best Virginia. WVU used a late surge in both the first and second half to pull past the Cavaliers on the road. And the Mountaineers are now 6-1, number 15 in the AP, number 16 in the coaches' poll. However, probably uh, a lot more excitement to talk about here. WVU women's basketball downed Ole Miss 66-61 in the women's side of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And the win pushes the Mountaineers to 9-0 on the season, number 13 in the AP poll. That is pretty impressive for Coach Carey and his crew. And the WVU football team will play in the Russell Athletic Bowl on December 28th at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida against old Big East rival Miami. They are representing the ACC in that game. So uh, an interesting matchup for the Mountaineers in a Florida Bowl game. The Mountaineers finished their regular season with a 24-21 win over Baylor that pushed the overall record to 10 and 2 on the season, 7 and 2 in the conference, the first 10 win regular season since joining the Big 12 and the first 10 win regular season for 
the program as a whole since 2007. Obviously, Dana's first year, 2011, was a 10-win season, but we achieved that after defeating Clemson in the Orange Bowl blowout. Uh, now the Mountaineers finished the regular season at number 14 in the AP poll, number 12 in the coaches poll, and somehow fell to number 16 in the college football playoff rankings. So finding his second 10-win season since taking charge of the WVU football program, Dana Holgerson was awarded a contract extension from athletic director Shane Lyons. This was announced. Um, it kind of got leaked before the game happened. It kind of got even leaked on Friday night. I had people texting me about the fact that he had signed. But uh, it was announced Saturday after the game that Dana and WVU reached a, an agreement to a five-year, $18.6 million deal for Dana to remain the head coach of the WVU football team. To talk about this, I'm going to bring in Mike Kazaza, the supreme being of WVU Sports and Information, from the Charleston Gazette and Mail. He is a beat writer for WVU Sports. Mike, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you got my business card with Supreme Being on. I sent yes. that a while ago and I didn't hear back. Supreme WVU Sports Being, yeah. I thought that was on okay. there. Well, I'm good, though. I'm, uh, everything's quieted down uh, maybe sooner than I thought. It Perhaps seemed like different this than what I expected in September, but it's uh, at least it's quiet. It definitely seemed like this season was uh, it, it went by fast. I didn't like that. you. Speak for yourself on that one. There, this is eight <laughs> straight Saturdays. I mean, you, I mean, I don't, I don't go through what they go through, but like, I wonder how their bodies feel and how much yeah. things that happened to certain players who did or didn't play very well, didn't play or you know didn't play very well or very much Saturday or even the game before. How much of the that is, I mean, it's not only the eight straight games, it's four of those road trips, you know, getting back late, recovery time isn't as good, four weeks of practices, and you got to practice to play, and uh, I, I just wonder how much they need to break for the bowl, and really how much of an achievement it is to, to win 10 games when you had your two buys, you know, early in the season. That's pretty special stuff, I think, when you, when you get down, you look at what people were worried about at the beginning of the season was, why in the world is Mike Joseph's tearing everybody's ACL, when in reality, <laughs> he probably did a pretty good job this year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did, actually. Uh, you know, you kind of talked, uh, alluded to the beginning of the season, and obviously we knew that the road to hoe was going to be a tough one. It ended up being, uh, it looked like it was kind of easy for the Mountaineers. I mean, before the season, I didn't even think we would get to nine games. But I did expect us to kind of reach a threshold where you'd see Dana to receive an extension. But here we are at the end of the season. WVU goes 10-2, and two and Dana gets a contract extension. So at what point do you believe that those contracts start, talk started becoming you know, actually serious? Before the Oklahoma State game, I was told they began to have some talks about, mm -hmm. let's have my people talk to your people. Um, and I really don't think it was that complex and needed to be that long. Obviously, they knew what the other side wanted. Um, they had pretty extensive talks, I think, to, to some end. And to what level of frustration, we don't know. We can always speculate. But certainly in, in December, January, February, they had those talks. And, you know, after the bowl game, they had some conversations about it because everything looked like it was going pretty good. And the best way to sustain momentum is to sustain as much of you know, the parts of the people involved. So um, I don't think that it was something that they really needed to dig into too early in the season. I really didn't think they would sit down and do a lot of stuff until after the season. And it was going to be very hard because again, those that stretch of games toward the end of the season, a couple of them, by the way, were pretty important games. You don't want to be distracted. So, um, 
I think they tried and it just didn't work to what they wanted. It wasn't comfortable for everybody. And they said, let's, let's back off a little bit. And they got recentered again and won some games. And I think it's coincidental to obvious, depending on how you look at these things, that it really did gain momentum after the Oklahoma game, probably because they were clear of some the tough games and they had some time and, and, you know, they probably had a better grip of how things felt and what the landscape was for their future, but also, what, what it was going to be like for other jobs, other places. And I think there became some sort of an urgency to really push it towards the finish line here uh, this past week. I feel like we've been talking about this since last November, December, um, but it finally comes to completion. And the way you kind of put it in your, uh, your article that you wrote, for, uh, was it this past Monday? It's not like this is a done deal quite yet, but it's basically done. Explain exactly where they are right now. Yeah, um, it's kind of convoluted. I never know. I never know who cares about these things as much as I do. It's something I've always been interested in. Kind of illuminating to get a look at the contracts and how they're put together. But this one, I think that what you're talking about is probably relevant to people who don't care about these things because it came out. I don't want to say out of nowhere, but it was fine Saturday morning, and like the AD and the president had plans to be on a plane that evening to go to. San Jose to watch the College Cup, so I wonder if this thing wasn't rushed out a little bit more than it was, a little bit sooner than it was supposed to be. Because are you really planning to have that announcement after a loss? Probably not. But then they, I think they maybe had to put it out because it got out. And I think it got out because it finished, um, and people were happy it got finished. And I think they were happy because maybe the wheels were about to fall off toward the end. And there's a specific spot in that, that contract that basically says. Uh, a mutual effort will be put in to have a long form agreement sometime soon. And the two parts of that that are interesting is uh, mutual, <laughs> which means I'm going to have to give and take, and you're going to have to give and take and long form too, which means it's going to be probably pretty detailed and have some language in there. Some of the stuff it, it's, it's not important. It's, you know, how am I going to get paid? How many country club and rental and, and company yeah. cars do I get? Uh, some other stuff you know, may have to do with, uh, I don't know, offsetting income toward the end for tax purposes. Who knows? Uh, the other stuff that's pretty interesting to me is what's, what's in there is that there's a way to have basically a third party fund the buyout right. for Holgerson if you were to leave for another job. And that doesn't seem like a big deal nowadays because if you're West Virginia and you lose Dana Holgerson to School X, you know, what do you care as long as you get the money? But right. then you remember that Rich Rodriguez was in court because West Virginia insisted that he pay the money and not Michigan. Right. They didn't like that a school that was as well heel as Michigan could just, you know, jump in and scoop up a coach and write a check. They didn't want to let that happen and they fought the wording of the contract and they won. So that's that's a minor thing, but it's a change I think for West Virginia and Lions has done a lot of different things with contracts. Um but uh, what's what's obvious and what's omitted is stuff like facilities. Right. And in the commitments to the coaching staff, I think you're going to have to figure out a way to pay all these assistant coaches more money and more importantly to give them two or three or four year deals, which is something that West Virginia has to do. You can't get by with the money at West Virginia because you can't spend as much. But you can also do things like give them multiple years that legally schools in the Big 12, some other schools in the Big 12 can't do because of the state rules and you can only offer one year deals. So if you're trying to get someone to stay for a couple of years, you offer them multiple year contracts, and what does that mean? It doesn't mean that they're going to stay for three or four years. It means they're going to get paid for three or four years, even if they only work one or two years. It's a bit of a disingenuous agreement, 
But if you're going to hire a really good coach and you're going to fire everybody in a year, you want if that coach is coming in is going to want to make sure that he's going to be paid right. two years if he signed a two-year deal. And I think that was an issue they had to wrestle with this past offseason when Dana lost some coaches mm-hmm. and was trying and maybe not succeeding as often as he wanted to with his replacements. So uh, we talk about a lot of these things that qu- aren't quite covered in this agreement, but we do know that the extension starts uh, January 1st, 2017, runs through the end of 2021. So that's uh, five years, and he can make up to uh, – f- is it up to $4 million? What, what are the details that we do know about this so far? Yeah, he starts at 3.5 in beginning January 1st, and it's per rate, which means you make – one three hundred and sixty fifth of that every day. Okay. Uh, what's interesting about that, and I don't know if this is just a, a tip of the hat to the negotiation, but I think that was the top end salary in the mm-hmm. contract they negotiated in December. Okay. So that's that's where it could have ended. That's where it starts now. Maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. Um, but certainly, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna agree to back away from the table and you leave things on the table. Um, you're going to have to pay the price, so to speak, and that might be the price that West Virginia has to pay. Um, then he gets $100,000 raises after the first three years and a $200,000 raise after the fourth year, so he's up to $4 million bucks, which is pretty good coin in the final year of his, his contract. Now, the big question is how much of that you know, other compensation, supplemental compensation, is Red Bull sponsorship? How much of it is Red Bull sponsorship is a great question, but... Uh, there's there's a way, that's another thing we haven't talked about, is there is unique language in there that says, um, at some point we're going to figure out how to pay you the supplemental compensation. West right. Virginia has never paid someone what they're going to pay Holgerson soon. Um, supplemental compensation is stuff like appearances for the Mountaineer Athletic Club, for the radio show, for these um, you know pregame shows that they do on West Virginia Illustrated. That's pretty easy work for what you're looking at at like three million bucks. The supplemental yeah. compensation is is capped out. There's a max you can make in the salary. It's less than four hundred thousand bucks. I want to say it's three fifty. You can look. We can look that one up. But it is it is a small slice of what the overall is. That's your base compensation. The right. supplemental compensation is where you make your money, and that's going to be hard for West Virginia to come up with. Now, does it come from IMG? Does it come from beer sales? Does it, who knows? I mean, we don't know. And if you remember, what's interesting here is Rich Rodriguez out of Arizona has a pretty clever thing worked in his contract where uh, I believe that stakes in an energy company are part of his contract. Right. Um, I don't know that I'll actually give Dana Holgerson coal uh, stock <laughs> in his, his contract, but you know it's, it's a new age, and you see CEOs and people taking over if not athletic departments and some of the financial thinking, you get to be creative with stuff right. like this. So it may be nothing more than we'll, we'll find more ways for you to do PR and public appearances so you actually make more money for us while you're making your money. Um, and it might be something crazy like you know a, an outside third-party revenue source. Who knows? So again, this is Mike Kazaza joining us here on the Smoking Musket Podcast. He's a the beat writer for WVU for the – Charleston Gazette Mail. Um, I actually got to read your stuff in print form when I was uh, back in Charleston for Thanksgiving, so that was a weird uh, yeah. kind of experience. You're the one, huh? Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. No, my grandmother still reads the sports page. So. Oh, that's a good endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're talking here about uh, Daniel Holgerson's contract extension, and the big question that everyone has is about the guy who's basically directly under him when it comes to being head coach, and that's associate head coach and uh, defensive coordinator Tony Gibson. Uh, 
you kind of talked about it, but what what are we looking at the possibility for these um, assistant salaries? It's got to go up. Again, this, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. One right. guy does not engineer a 10-win season. It's 10. And uh, honestly, you know, there's a graduate assistant, Mike Burchett, who is the quarterback's coach and has right. done a pretty good job with their quarterbacks. Um, so there's – and he can only get paid so much as a GA, but people who are support staff people, they make their money from camps and clinics and things like that. So there's ways to to fund your staffing. Um, and more and more now, you, you find that these major schools are taking GAs and even assistant coaches from some of these smaller schools and making them offensive analysts and quality yeah. control coaches. And it's hard to keep people there. So, you know, there might be some things where maybe Dana can add, you know, some offensive quality control assistant, a defensive analyst. Maybe he can add one or two positions in uh, in the athletic department. Now, I've always heard that um, they had a hard time. You know the videos that Doug does, Doug Cross, Duggity does, right? right? Um, they had a hard time getting him in as an employee, I've always heard, and because it was, you know, what's the purpose of right. this? There's, there's a pretty tangible purpose of yeah. what he does. So, <laughs> you know, they, they got it done, but it takes some time, and you have to talk through things. But, you know, maybe he wants to add quality control coaches or analysts. Maybe... Um, maybe he wants to, in addition to, you know, multiple year contracts, maybe all of these assistants need to get coaches or maybe they're all eligible for automatic coach uh, raises. So you don't have to go over this every year. There's right. a whole bunch of language that can get in there, but you know, Tony Gibson is the third highest paid coordinator in the big 12, believe it or uh, defensive coordinator, believe it or not, Phil Bennett is number one. That doesn't surprise me. Can't believe that he's going to be around in Baylor anymore, so um, there's there'll be some changes there. Now, does Tony Gibson want a million bucks a year? Maybe, um, but that's the guy who was making seven fifty this year, and he's only going to make seven hundred next year. It's a weird part of his contract, so I doubt very much that he's going to be happy having the year he had and taking a fifty thousand dollar pay cut. I can't believe that they're going to bring back all six of their assistant coaches who are on expiring deals on the same money. So. You know, even if every one of those coaches just gets a $50,000 raise, that's $300,000 in extra money. Yeah. If you give Tony Gibson $300,000, now you're at 600000 So you're looking at maybe, you know, in excess of half a million extra dollars toward your staff, and that's a position that you put yourself in now because um, Dana Olgerson kind of bet and won. Yeah, I mean, I kind I kind of think that's what it comes down to is that he, you know, we didn't have this extension come after last year, and here he comes out with a ten win season, and as you said, he kind of he gambled on himself maybe, and and gambled on his assistants, and now he's coming out on top. So you know, you kind of go through a season, you get ten wins after being snubbed, if you will, a contract extension at the end of last season. Did Dana come out on top? Did the university come out on top? Is it kind of just a fair deal? Uh, Who's the winner, if you will, in this situation? It's a very good question. It's a necessary question. I understand that. It's it's sports. and We all want uh, winners and losers. I get that. Uh, I could make an argument that everybody won on this one, which uh-huh. is going to sound strange when I'm talking about that maybe West Virginia is paying Holgerson more and they're going to have to pay the system more. And certainly it sounds like a triumph for him. By large, it is because I really think he could have made an argument last year that Shane Lyons did nothing wrong and that he was right to wait and see, and he was right not to budge. And if that's the case, does that mean he lost because he has to come to the table now and give what he did not want to give? Some would argue yes. I would say no because that's probably what he wanted to do in the back of his head. Um, (laughs) Even if he doesn't like Holgerson, 
and doesn't like paying $600 every time he slams a headset on the ground and he doesn't like this or that about his sideline behavior or the fact he wears black or whatever. I mean, if it's a personal thing, even. Stop talking about all fans. <laughs> ultimately, his thing is to make sure that football funds the rest of the athletic department. Right. So he's got to have good football. And right. right now he's in a spot where his team just won 10 games. Uh, it, it's going to a lucrative bowl game. It's going to be in a state that it recruits all the time. So any concerns he might have had have been addressed in a manner that he would probably have accepted if you told him in December. If you told him in December, Shane, you're going to have to break some bad news to your coach that, that the negotiations are over. He's in February. Um, but you're going to get 10 wins, a bowl game in Florida, and you're going to have to pay some people a little bit more money on the back end of it. I'm, I'm hopeful he would take that, don't you think? I mean, I, that's kind of where I look at is, okay, did he wait and see? Absolutely. But, I mean, you have to like what he got uh, with his patience. So, I mean, even if it was lighting a fire under Dana's seat, I don't know if that was necessarily it, but I think we're kind of seeing the fruits of the labor. It works. Uh, yeah. That's it, the one thing. Yeah. I mean, it works. And they've committed them. I mean, I don't think anybody believed this, but when the press release was put out, whenever this happened, I think it was in December saying they were going to bring Dana back, which it was a non-story that kind of just got exaggerated right. a little yeah. bit. Um, they kind of said, listen, we're committed to one another. We want to make sure we have the best spring, the best summer, and the best season we can have. Right. And, you know, they talked uh, frequently about what they have to do for meeting space in the, in the push card center. How do we make the training room better? So, you know, we don't hide it from recruits on visits. So right. they, they, they've been in concert on some of these things. So if, if the words weren't genuine, at least the deeds been. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, we're here talking with Mike Kazaza on the Smoking Musket podcast. He is the WVU beat writer for the Charleston Gazette Mail. Uh, Holgerson is now 46-30 and 30 at WVU over his six years, but just 22-23 and 23 in the Big 12 Conference, and that's even with this 7-2 and two season that he just had in the conference. Uh, he gets his contract extension through 2021, but what do you think he needs to do to continue to be the coach even after that? He needs more years like this for sure. Yeah. Um, but here's your problem, and this is probably an institutional thing. Um, no, no one has ever said what's good enough for the Big Twelve. Right. Like, if you remember, Dana made a kind of snide, kind of sharp comment to the beat Kansas State, and he said, "I was never worried about that, but Shane probably was." Yeah. That was doubly funny because Shane was sitting like ten feet away. Um, so. Does that mean he had to beat Kansas State at some point to become a good football coach? Maybe, but that was never spoken. Um, does West Virginia need to regularly beat Oklahoma and, well, let's, let's call it good Texas? Um, I think that's a lot to ask. Do they need to finish in the top half of the Big 12 more often than not? Sure. They need to be in big bowl games. They need to have winning seasons. Um, I think those are reasonable expectations. But, I mean, if you're talking about do they need to win the Big 12 in his five years, that's, that's kind of a lot to ask. I mean, case, I mean, everything that went right this year, it came down to a one-game season. They had to beat Oklahoma. Right. Um, and that didn't happen. So they had a chance. It didn't work. So does that mean he's got to win that one game sometime in the next five years? That might be. Now, I don't think anybody's ever going to come out and say that, but it's never been understood. I think it's because there's been two different athletic directors. And in some regard, it's been two different holders, and he's much better on the back end of this than he was in the front end. So I think until there's an understanding – among fans and donors and even administrators, 
what are we doing? Like, what do we have to do? What are the marks we have to hit? It's really hard to place a level of expectation on him. I do yeah. think that I do think he's got to, you know, beat Oklahoma State and Kansas State for the next couple of years, just because he can. I mean, those yeah. those are things you're going to have to beat. If you want to get up to Texas and Oklahoma, you can't be beneath those two. Texas or Oklahoma, when Texas is right, they're going to be there. So right. you're going to have to find a way over the other guys to be there. So you're second or third, like they like they did this year. Um, They've beaten Texas a couple of years now, so that's a good sign. Uh, they beat they beat Kansas State this year, and Kansas State was a good team. Now the other part of this is Kansas is down, uh, Iowa State down, Baylor's going to be down. Texas, I mean, may come back quicker than others, but maybe not because it was supposed to when Charlie Strong came mm-hmm. in. So maybe half the Big Twelve, and this is with Bill Snyder being around for I think what you would say is a finite period of time. Now there's a chance that he could be moving up when others are at least standing still. So that's right. something else has to be considered. So maybe he does have good seasons and he wins eight or nine games, but maybe he's only getting five of them in the Big 12 right. when he should be doing more because the Big 12 isn't what it is. It's, it's kind of hard to project, but the biggest problem is there's never been stated expectations. Well, I think that the expectations, at least you know, from more of the informed fans or whatnot, was that we were going to have an uphill battle when we first joined the conference. And I think sure. now... We finally see that we kind of got over the hill for a little bit. When you look at the coaches who were there or who came in, and you look at what they do, um, there's there's similarities, and certainly one of the reasons I think that Dana was a good fit at West Virginia, and West Virginia was a good fit in the Big Twelve was because of the offense. Right. But look at the teams that have been successful in this league. Um, Oklahoma's got two great running backs. West Virginia right. has two or three or four very good running backs. Oklahoma State has Justice Hill, and their, their offense really got going. They brought Chris Carson back this year. The teams that struggle, Texas Tech. Um, yeah. Kansas State wins on ball control when running it. So I think that the fact that they've kind of acquiesced a little bit, but also what's interesting is that the whole league suddenly is changing that way too with them. Mm. So they can't even get ahead in that regard. But, um, it's, I don't know. That, that's a part of it that's interesting to me too. That there's been some sort of a shift or evolution, but it's not unique either. Right, uh, and I think that's kind of the we're still learning what the Big Twelve is and who we are in the Big Twelve. And I think that's something that Dana was obviously brought in to do is uh, uh, as a former Big Twelve coach. But I don't know if we quite have answers in that regard as well. Um, but, you know, this season you look at a 10-2 and two season, 7-2 and two in the conference, our best year by far since joining the Big 12. Uh, mm-hmm. Finishing in the top 15 nationally, we won't talk about the college football playoff poll. And we get rewarded with the Russell Athletic Bowl. I think it's a reward, and you kind of mentioned that it's a good bowl game in a state that we recruit well. So going forward, you know, how does this, how does this type of a season help springboard you forward? I think Will Greer's going to love it. <laughs> Because uh, he's going to get you know, some some practice time here, and I mean they're only going to do so much good on good before the game, and they're going to have right. perhaps twice as long. So I mean he'll get some good reps before that. I think the uh, returning offensive talent will rub their hands together when they see this kid playing around like that. Yeah. They've seen it in some regard already, so I think that's good. Um, you know the recruiting has got to get better. Mm-hmm. It was dipping a little bit, and it was there's no doubt that it was attached to some of the the question marks. Um, I, I what's strange to me is that. They, they probably had this done or close to done in the middle of last week. And I think if it was a good situation, they would have announced it just because Dana hates playing that last week of the regular season. He'd rather be out recruiting. Yeah. Um, 
but like that's why I think it, it maybe the wheels didn't almost fall off there. But anyways, recruiting's got to get better, I think, and I think this will help it. Um, the non-conference play next year is where it's going to be because they open up with Tech, who's going to yeah. be very good. Um, that's a I mean that's a bowl game at the start of the season. Yeah. So uh, if they can get good momentum through winter conditioning, if they don't lose players to transfer or eligibility for the bowl game or got more ACLs and stuff like that, then uh, yeah. you know, you're talking about defense that does lose some people, but also you know probably their highest impact newcomer was Brendan Ferns. They'll have him. Uh, maybe their best defensive player was Draymond Henry. They'll have him. I think people thought Jaleel Fields was going to be pretty good. You know, they'll have him. So they're bringing in good players. So that maybe eases some of the recruiting burden uh, just because of injury. So how healthy will they be? We don't know. But yeah. um, it's, it's momentum is such a big deal. Last year was the first time they really had it because they won the bowl. I think it got stunted a little bit by some of the, the coaching news and innuendo. But this one, you know, if they win the bowl, I think they're a three-point underdog. But if they win the bowl, you have the contract for five more years. You're going to hopefully have most, if not all, your assistants back. It's it's the best thing you could possibly have going into the winter months and then in the spring. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's certainly one of those bowl games that, um, you know, one of those seasons that can bring a lot of attention to your program. Obviously, we had a lot more national spotlight on us. Um, and one more opportunity here on December 28th. Uh, before, now, while I got you here, I got to ask you two more questions. Um, firstly, just kind of, what are your thoughts on this season as a whole? Uh, what did you make of it? I'm surprised, to be honest. Ten is a big number. Yeah. Um, and, again, I thought as the season went on, they were capable of it. Um, and they were. But I, I think they have deficiencies on offense that are pretty obvious. They're you know, 12th in yards and 45th in points. And I think it's fair to put a lot of that on quarterback play. I know he's an overachiever and has played maybe above, certainly above expectations. Uh, but consistency has been a big issue with him, and I think that's a lot of reasons why I drive stall. Hmm. Points don't go on the board, um, but their defense is much better than I thought. And you figure, you know, they brought along a lot of running backs this year throughout injuries. This means their depth is better than I expected. It's more and more like a, a program that fits in this conference. Um, but then you look at some of the other things too, and they are. Let's see, fifteen and three in the last eighteen games, which is terrific. Right. They're zero and one against ranked teams, and of the fifteen teams they've beaten, their record the day they took the field was thirteen games below five hundred. Yeah. So there's there's different ways you could draw the same picture. I think um, the the good part is though that West Virginia didn't lose to Kansas or Iowa State. Right. And didn't blow a game that they typically, you know, found a way to loss in the past, would find a way to lose in the past. So that's a good sign to me. Uh, it's a pleasant surprise, I think, for fans. Uh, it's a, it's a, I don't know, a, a recalibrating surprise mm-hmm. for people who cover the teams because you think you know everything, and you don't. And it's kind of fun to to go in with your eyes wide open, and then to have the eyes open during the season in totally different ways. Like when you see guys like. Darian Howard play as well as he did, or Rasul Douglas play better than you probably thought he was capable of. And you see an offensive line develop into maybe the best in the, in the conference. Mm-hmm. And you say, wow, these are things I thought, and these are things I didn't think, and it's all come together. It's been pretty fun to sit up, uh, up close to and watch happen. All right, last question before uh, I get you out of here. Uh, what was your first reaction when it was announced we were playing Miami and the Russell Athletic Bowl? What are your, kind of your first takes on that game? I thought it was weak by the bowl. <laughs> Um, I mean, they're, they're getting Louisville down there in a big-time game against LSU. So 
they're going to make their money. They're going to get their, their gates and all that stuff. I mean, that's a big game. They right. could have hit a home run, I think, uh, if they had made it pit. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people wanted that. But I will say, I don't know if Pitt fell in the selection order the way that uh, I think people wanted it to. But I can't, I can't fault them for choosing a Florida team for a Florida bowl game. You know, they want to sell tickets. I, I, I may, it makes sense. You sure a lot of Miami fans are coming up for a midweek game? Look, for Orlando? I don't, I'm not saying that they will, because I don't have any faith in the Miami fan base to travel. I'm just saying that because it is a midweek bowl game, that, that makes travel tough. So, I mean, you still got Miami fans in Florida, and I assume they're in Orlando. Might make it a little easier for them to sell tickets there. I already have well, mine, so, you know. I think what matters, too, um, is that Pitt beat or lost to Miami. Yes, the regular season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that being a decision they made. I think the regular season should matter, and that's why I don't think West Virginia had a chance at the Alamo Bowl. Um, so that's okay with me. I mean, if it comes down to A or B and A, B, B, that's perfectly fine with me. Well, and I think it'll be I, – I, obviously, we want to play Pitt, but, you know, it'll be fun to reignite that old uh, hatred for Miami. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And Mark Richt. I have a lot of thoughts about Mark Richt. Obviously, I live in – born and raised in Atlanta, so uh, – very close to a lot of people who love Mark Richt. Uh, <laughs> we're 1-0 against him in bowl games already, so it would be nice to be 2-0. The best part of my season was the conference call on Saturday, which started at 7 o'clock, and they couldn't find Mark Richt anywhere. <laughs> and if you're familiar with any internet memes and Mark Richt's final days or seasons at Georgia, let's uh, uh, just to say he did not have control of that conference call. It, that doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> well, uh, Mike, thank you very much for joining us here on the Smoking Musket Podcast. Uh, appreciate your insight, and you know, good good job covering the team. I know you've got uh, a busy week ahead with some basketball non-conference, uh, or uh, you know, coming up. You got the the game in Charleston soon. So, uh, no, fun. I'm off all week, man. You're off, all, off week? all week. How did you not believe it or not? That? My my bosses think that working 77 straight days is a bad deal. Uh, so they but, gave me some time off. That is well, that good for you. Benevolent. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, enjoy your time off then, and enjoy taking a rest after the long season and uh, you know the long eight-game stretch you had. So uh, t- enjoy that. Enjoy that. We'll do. Again, by Goddard's, that was Mike Kazaza of the Charleston Gazette Mail breaking down the details of Dana Holgerson's new contract extension. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. Again, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at Mike Kazaza. It's real simple. It's just his name. And uh, stick around for part two when I dig into the WVU win over the Virginia Cavaliers in basketball. John Lowe joins me here on the Smoky Musket Podcast. Welcome back to part two of this week's edition of the Smoking Musket Podcast. Special thanks to Mike Kazaza. Find him on Twitter at Mike Kazaza. Thank you to him. He's a uh, beat writer for West Virginia University football and basketball for the West Virginia, excuse me, the Charleston Gazette Mail, which you can still read. They still print the paper. I promise you I've done it recently. Uh, so again, Mike, thanks for coming on and breaking down the new contract extension for Dana Holgerson. Uh, now we're going to switch gears and talk about WVU basketball. They had a huge win over the weekend. And to do this, as protocol, we are going to bring on John Lowe. You can find him on Twitter at John Everett 24 
John, how are you doing tonight? I am I am doing just fine. Are you glad the end of football season is here because you also work for WVU or work for uh, your job at WVU football games? So are you kind of like glad the season is over in that regard? Well, I mean, in one way I am because it's, you know, uh, I mean, I get to focus more on basketball. But on the other hand, uh, the Coliseum isn't finished renovating yet and there's no there's no press room yet. Oh, God. No, no catered meal. Uh, which we still have for football. For basketball, we just have to go to the concession stand with a voucher. So uh, instead of getting these nice chicken dinners, it's like a pepperoni roll and a Coke. So Why well, I got to hate on pepperoni rolls? I mean, dude, like I want my chicken cordon bleu. I know. <laughs> Listen, if anyone has ever been in the press, the best part about being in the press is most of the time the press dinners they give you. They're phenomenal it, most of the time. It's a it's amazing, especially at the Coliseum, because like, I mean, everyone has to be in the same room. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I mean, like I, I before the uh, before the I, I think it was the Iowa State game last year. I sat down and talked to Fran Fraschilla for fifteen minutes. I mean, it was awesome. Okay, is Fran the coolest person from ESPN you've talked to? Because he strikes me as like the one who is like just does not give a shit that he actually is like a big wig. I mean, he's he's really the only person in ESPN I've ever talked to. Oh, I've talked I've talked to uh, well, uh, what's his name? Je- uh, Jeff Goldberg or um, okay. Yeah, I talked to him too. Uh, he was at the Kansas game, but um, yeah, Fred Schiller. He's, I mean, he, he like he just he's just a regular guy. Yeah, he just happens to have a really cool job. And like, I feel like he just loves to talk about college basketball. So like, you could just, yeah like talk about him, talk about anything involving that with him, and he would love it. Yeah, I, it was actually that's what we were doing. Like, the, they have the, I mean, in the old press room in the in in the Coliseum before they tore it down to build like a like a I don't know a t-shirt store or something. Um, they you know they had like these big TVs where you can just watch games, and we were watching. I think it was Miami uh, against Virginia, and I, you know Miami was just like you know beating Virginia really bad in the first half, and they were, I, we were just kind of sitting there talking about Miami. It was really cool. That is cool. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we, we can talk about Miami later because we do play them in football uh, uh, this month. Um, I know we talked about that in the last podcast, but we'll switch to the fact that West Virginia defeated the Virginia Cavaliers 66-57 to in what, I mean, honestly, it's the biggest game the Mountaineers have had in their non-conference schedule in years. And despite a sluggish start, Press Virginia started to gain momentum, and, and the Mountaineers used a late first half surge and, and a late second half surge to come out with a win. Um, I mean, just for face value, this is a huge win for the program, yes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the biggest, uh, I believe I saw it was the biggest win of its kind since uh, 1957. Right. That Jerry West was on the team. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's huge. Probably probably the biggest landmark upset that nobody watched. Because of the, cause right. of the Baylor game. Well, and to be fair, I think a lot of people watched it. I know at the alumni bar that I, I watch all of our football games at, or most of them anyway, we were struggling because it was like we're watching the football game, but it was like, no, 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 basketball. So, like, there's a group of us huddled around the basketball te- like game TV, and we're, like, darting back and forth trying to watch both. And I, finally I was like, no, 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 basketball. This is, this is going to happen. Uh, and I heard rumors that, like, people booed in, in uh, Milan Postcar Stadium when they turned from the video feed from the basketball game to the football game. Yeah, was, <coughs> excuse me. Um, they were only able to, uh, you know, like show the basketball game on TV or on, t- on TV on the scoreboard. Uh, really, whenever like the you know FS1 was at commercial break. Right. So when they cut back to you know like whatever crap they put up there, like whatever you know 
sponsor or whatever they put up there, like everyone would boo. And of course, Skyler, I'm sure, took it personally. Of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know what? He should have because, you know, let's, I mean, let's face it, we didn't play that well against Baylor. I mean, we should have been that excited. He was 10 for 26 for 111 yards. There we go. There we go. Um, I'll I mean, talk about that in part three with Smitty, but I mean, yeah. I, I'm just saying, you call out fans for booing you, and then you go and have arguably your worst performance of the season. I know you didn't turn the ball over, but from a production standpoint, you only completed 10 passes. Come on, man. I I, say, I came so close to asking this in Dana Holgerson's press conference. Was, okay, like, okay, coach, first possession of the game. Why did you go forward on fourth down? Makes no sense. Yeah, that one It's I the didn't first understand. quarter. Yeah, that one like, I didn't Why? Understand. I just, I don't know. I, I've never seen so many fans, like, that amped, though, at the end of the game to beat a 6-6 six and six team. Like it, it was, was a relief more than anything. Yeah, it was, and and I'm just glad we're done with Baylor, and I'm glad Baylor's done with Baylor. So <laughs> Matt Rule now the new head coach of the Baylor Bears, which pisses me off because I got a decent coach, and it's not fair. I shouldn't be allowed to get a decent coach. <sighs> anyway, well, I mean, it, it's it's a moot point. I'm sure they're going to get sanctions. So I'm surprised mm. they haven't already, but I think you're right. Uh, yeah. But on a positive note, let's talk about the fact that we beat Virginia. Um, I mean, we didn't really dominate the game, but we dominated the game when it mattered, and that's the end of the halves. And that was, I mean, when you look at the stat line, it wasn't a, it wasn't, it's actually, I'm surprised looking at the stats that we did win, but ultimately we were able to force, I mean, we knew coming in that Virginia was not going to put up a lot of points and they didn't, they scored 57 points. But we knew they weren't going to give up a lot of points, but we were able to, to put up enough. Um, what ultimately helped West Virginia win this game? I think <clears throat> I think they just kind of wore down Virginia just I mean through the through the strength of that press. Um, from you know, like once again I, I I was telling Bart before we started this that I had to rewatch it because I didn't really watch it at the you know, I was I was doing other stuff. Um, but it, it just seemed like towards you know, last, I don't know, five or six minutes of the second half, that, you know, the, that's where most of the turnovers were forced. I right. mean, it was just, that's where it happened. I mean, it was just, um, they wore down Virginia's, you know, offense. And, and when it came time for Virginia to have to start fouling West Virginia, West Virginia actually shot well from the free throw They line. They did. We'll talk about that later, but that is a huge key to the game, the fact that, I mean, West Virginia shot well from the foul line. Um, now, the key stat for me was that Virginia turned the ball over 14 times. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but Virginia is not a team that traditionally turns the ball over a lot. And we turned them over double-digit times. We only we only turned the ball over eight times. So, I mean, we won the turnover battle. That's huge, and that's not something that is accustomed. Like, we're used to that as Mountaineer fans. But, like, this was one of those games where, like, Holy crap! We cannot turn the we cannot give Virginia extra opportunities to score because they're already a little anemic when it comes to offense. We don't need to get them extra chances, and we didn't do that. So to me, that was a huge key in this game. Yeah, um, they. I mean, they. It, it. I don't think people realize here um, that. I mean, yeah, 14 turnovers doesn't seem like a lot in comparison to what West Virginia has done so far. But it was Virginia at 
at Virginia, and we forced right. 14 turnovers at Virginia. I mean, that's huge. Um, and and like and like we were saying last week, whenever we were, you know we were recording this, uh, <clears throat> I said Virginia was a really buttoned up team. They, I mean, and I, I still think they're a pretty buttoned up team, but. That I mean, it was it just shows to how impressive West Virginia played on Saturday. That they, they were able to force fourteen turnovers. Right. They were able to you know cause Virginia the need to foul, and the fact that we were actually able to shoot well from the free throw line. Now I have a huge uh, criticism of West Virginia early in the game. They went for it from the three point line too many times. They did. They kind of seemed to fall into that like, oh crap, we're losing the game. We need to shoot up threes. Yeah, just you know, be be like you know, be like Popovich. Just take it to the hole. It's an easy basket. Just do that way. We're not the Warriors, so let's not pretend to be the right. Warriors. Like for yeah. the record, we shot twelve point five percent from three in the first half, and that is one for eight. As of yeah, uh, on the other side in the second half, we only shot the ball the ball. We only shot seven three pointers, and we made three of them. So patience. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um, but <clears throat> I mean, if, I mean, if that's like the, my one big critic, all that, and please, Dax, don't throw your elbow repeatedly in games. Please. Yeah, so Dexter Miles Jr. gets thrown out of this game. I, I, when I first saw it like live, I was like, okay, he was just like going for a rebound. I get it, whatever. Then I saw the replay. I was like, nope, no, he he's gone. He gets a flagrant two and is ejected from the game for a an elbow to the face. I forget which Virginia player it was. I don't. It doesn't matter. They play for Virginia, but that was stupid. And I, does he miss now the game uh, to, on Wednesday? I don't believe so. Okay. I think because it was in the first half. Okay, I wasn't uh, sure where that is because I can't keep up with college football's changing rules. So I, I didn't know what basketball had. Yeah, I mean, if he does, it would only be the first half. I think. Okay. So, and it's against um, Western Carolina. Yeah, I mean, you know, all those people in the Civic Center will be so disappointed. Um, and that's that's a that's a joke. No one ever goes to those games uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about. We will not really talk about the rest of the non-conference schedule in this podcast, just because it's not really worth it. We will talk about the fact that Nate Adrian had another ten point, a double-digit scoring night. He had ten points, four assists, two steals. Uh, Javon Carter led the team with 11 points. He had five assists and three steals. And then you had Isaman with nine points. Um, I think Brandon Watkins, excuse me, not Brandon Watkins, Lamont West had eight points. Tariq Phillips, seven points. Dax, seven points. Uh, Brandon Watkins, six points. So we had a pretty uh, um, spread out offense. I mean, we had a lot of guys score. Um, everybody except for Sag Kanate scored who played. Uh, I mean, this was a pretty balanced uh, effort offensively, would you say? Yeah, and um, not, I mean, just to kind of make, not to make Kanate look bad, he didn't play that long. He only played like No, he played a minute. So, I mean. So, you know, he got a minute. He got one rebound. He did. Um, he also got a foul. <laughs> Which is why he only played a minute. Yeah, there we go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it just, um, you know, I bet. Esau Maud, I mean, he was cl- he was really close to a double double. He was. Um, I mean, even though he wasn't in double figures in any figure, he was really close. Um, he was. He I, was all, I felt like he was very active. Yeah, and that was good yeah. for him. Yeah, I mean, he played thirty four minutes. He, he had seven rebounds, nine. He had seven rebounds and nine points. So yeah, close to a double double. Um, yeah, we had the we we had twenty eight rebounds. I had twenty eight rebounds. So that was that was another thing that we knew kind of coming in that. 
Virginia had very good big men, um, like true bigs, not hybrids, kind of like how we kind of have with Nate and Issa, but like true bigs with, um, uh, excuse me, with, with Wilkins and Salt and, and um, Dia, I'm going to mess up the, the name again, Dia Kaidi, but we did a decent job scoring in the paint. Yeah, yeah. Um, one one kind of thing that I, I thought was going to be a, a factor that really didn't end up being a factor was I, I was thinking, you know, offensive rebound, second chance points. It did not, it was not, absolutely not a factor. And as a matter of fact, both teams canceled each other out. Yeah, we had eight second chance points. Virginia had seven. So really not like a whole bunch. But West Virginia, like I said, we had 26 points in the paint to Virginia's 14. Now, some of that comes from like, you know, points off turnover, rebound, stuff like that. But I mean, that's a decent night in and around the basket, which has kind of been a struggle when for West Virginia teams under Bob Huggins, except for, um, you know, it really has been a struggle. I mean, we, we haven't had the production we needed in the paint. We, we got a decent night out of it on Saturday, uh, or excuse me, afternoon out of, out of it on Saturday. Um, also, just kind of want to point out that um, 66 points doesn't sound like a whole lot of points. But it's the most that Virginia's given up all season, including their win over Ohio State, when Ohio State scored 61. So um, that's pretty good. And I think 57 points is the lowest they have produced this season. Yeah, it's the lowest they've had this season as well. So, I mean, that's the number six team in the country, and we were able to do that. That's pretty good. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I think we were, we were talking about last week. I mean, if, I mean, if I remember correctly, we were, I mean, the Ohio State game was going on at the same time we it were was. doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, as I was watching, I was, like, getting less and less impressed with Virginia. Um, but, I mean, they're still really good. I mean, they're, they're a great defense the defensive team. Like, that's that's kind of what they, you know, uh, bred their butt or bred it or whatever. Um, bread bread. Bread. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Yep, it's been a it's been a long week, guys. Yeah, I understand. And it, <laughs> yeah, it's a long long weekend. Not a good weekend, long weekend. Um, but uh, I mean, scoring sixty six against a defensive team like that on the road, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. It's why we went up ten spots in the AP yep. poll. Uh, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, Baylor is going to be a huge test because that's really our next real game. I mean, really, um, of this magnitude. And and I th- I mean, I think. That'll be a, a, a game to look out for, and I'm really excited to the fact that it's in Morgantown. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we kind of mentioned, we're, we don't have a whole lot of non-conference games that are going to surprise us. We will get back to recording for basketball um, as we get close to the Oklahoma State game, which is on Friday, December 30th. We might include that with a bowl game preview because I'll be at the bowl game. I think you're trying to get down to the bowl game as well, so we won't really have time to record uh, and get something out before then, uh, or excuse me, after then. But um, I... I mean, this is by far the biggest test we've had all season. Now, we failed the first test where we lost to Temple. But maybe we now we can see that as we had a really bad start to the game and a really bad half, and now all of a sudden, you know, this was a m- much more like a West Virginia team we were used to seeing. Even when we were losing, it was a very, like, we, we didn't seem out of it. Um, at least in my opinion. Um, no, and and... You brought up, you know, we failed our first test. Well, I'll give temp credit where credit's due. Temple has not lost since then. No. They, they they have looked decent. 
yeah, they they beat two Big Five Philadelphia teams, both rivalry games. I mean that that they're they're looking pretty good. I'm I'm thinking those Hold those on. two games. I want to stop you there for a second. So you mentioned a city rivalry game in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. I just want to point out. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that. I was watching that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to point out that the Pitt Panthers basketball team lost the city game to Duquesne this year. Duquesne uh, is three and five, so yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's oh, that was oh man, I, yeah, I watched it. I had um, I, I don't know, I think it was on what was this on Sunday night? I think yeah, and yeah, I had I had yeah, I had the soccer game on TV and on my no, laptop. No, it was Friday. Had, it was Friday night. It was Friday night. Yeah, yes. it was, that's right. It was the night before the. Uh, it was it was a soccer game, but yeah, it was the semifinal. That's, yeah, okay, yeah, that would make more sense. Okay, um, yeah, I think it was Georgetown, USC was on, because West Virginia already won earlier yep. in the day. And, um, I, yeah, I had it on my laptop, because it was on the ACC network or whatever. And, oh, uh, it was so hilarious. The dude, like, it was at Consol Energy Center, or, you know, whatever it's called now. Um, PPG and Arena. Yeah, I refuse to call it that. It's no, it's stupid Consol. <laughs> it's Consol Energy Center. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's Consol. <laughs> Um, Duquesne's uh, students stormed the court. It's yeah. not even their court to storm. Uh, who I cares? Thought was, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was amazing. And, uh, oh man, I was just—I was so happy. Pitt is I, now I six and two on the season. Their two losses are to SMU and Duquesne. Uh, I'll, I'll give them. But a they pass beat on. Marquette in Maryland. Uh, whatever it doesn't I'm, speak well for Marquette or Maryland. No, then. it doesn't. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Enough about Pitt, Pitt basketball. They lost. It's awesome. Um, a few key stats for me again. I, I, so overall, West Virginia shot 45.1% uh, field goal percentage. UVA was at 458 field goal percentage. So that's actually really good for West Virginia when you're about even. Uh, if we can be even with teams like that, especially when Virginia is not a great offensive team. However, West Virginia was atrocious in the first half. And in the second half, they were shooting at 57.1% in the second half. Now, to couple that, we made 16 of 19 free throws. And all but, like, I think we had a, a front end, of, uh, we had, like, one free throw in the first half because it was a, um, a, a foul and, and one opportunity. So we went 15 for 18 in the second half from, free, uh, from the charity stripe. And we, we have talked about this, you specifically have talked about this a lot, foul shots. Foul shots won this game. Yeah, when you look and, at the numbers, they won this game. Yeah, and and like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna mention my dad here. Every time we're watching a game like this, every every time, um, you know, he's watching West Virginia because West Virginia it's like a it's like a disease because it happens almost every year. They cannot shoot from the foul line. No, my dad sits there at the TV and says, "I can make a free throw." <laughs> you know, my 56 I mean, year old dad can be like, "I can I can shoot that." Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm just really glad they were able to get it done at Virginia because going into the game, I did not think they were going to win. Like I thought, I didn't think so either. I was, I was throwing around a word that I hadn't used since WVU played Alabama in, in, uh, in football a couple years ago. It was the term moral victory. Hey, I was throwing that word around. I was at uh, that game and I will tell you that it was a moral victory and it was awesome. And we were cheering at the Alabama fans who were pissed. You're cheering, hey, Bama, we just covered the spread out of you, and they did not like that. 
Yeah, I I was uh, I was in Jameson's in and on High Street in Morgantown, and it was like it, there was a lot of optimism in there, especially in that uh, on that Kevin White catch. Oh man, that was yeah. right. That was I was in that corner of the end zone, like up where the band was, and the suite level above that. Yeah, and, and like so that happened right near, and also the kickoff return was like right at my angle. That was sweet. That was awesome. Anyway. <laughs> but you're right. Like, if this wasn't a game, you and I did not expect us to win. But we did expect us to be competitive and kind of like, this is a good game to see what we actually are made of. We weren't, we're, I don't think we're going to see a defense like this in the Big 12. Um, mainly because, I mean, like, the style of defense here won. But, I mean, Texas, I don't know. They might be there. Baylor looks to be playing decently, but I don't think defense is necessarily, necessarily a hallmark of what they're doing. Um, they're just playing good basketball overall. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think relegating Baylor to decent is kind of an insult to what they've done so far. I mean, well, okay, they, they, it is early, but they've been playing good basketball so far, um, for sure. I mean, it, it scares me that they are this good this early in the season. Uh, but this defense is supposed to be, I mean, this is what Tony Bennett does. And it was an ugly game, not great, you know, from an offensive perspective, but we came out and we won. And from, I mean, you've got to take a lot of, of hope in that. I mean, it's just one game, you know, we're six and one on the season, but this one game proves that our team has the drive to win. Uh, especially after you lose to like, you know, Temple and I don't count the Manhattan game, but you know, you come back and you, you win your next big game. That's huge. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, the rest of December, you know, just hopefully, I mean, I, shoot, I hope we don't lose one of these games coming up. Um, that would be... We would have a really, lot more issues to talk about. Oh, man, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't want to do a podcast where we're talking about issues. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, hope, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we're looking at a, at a, at a you know, primetime Tuesday night matchup on January 10th between, you know, top 10 Baylor and top 10 West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that'd be awesome. I mean, nothing against Oklahoma State, TCU, or Texas Tech, but I really don't see West Virginia losing to any of those teams right now. Well, and, uh, uh, yeah, and certainly don't. I mean, they're they're <coughs> they're just not going to be in the top, you know, twenty five at that point either. So there's that. Um, but you know, West Virginia, I, they haven't. They've got four more games left in the non conference schedule. They return to action December seventh. That's uh, the Wednesday night game. This podcast will probably come out after then, but it'll be against Western Kentucky in the Charleston Civic Center. Then we go play VMI, Missouri, Kansas City, Radford, and Northern Kentucky. So, excuse me, five games. Um, so we have five games left in the non-conference slate, and then we get into our conference schedule. So what did you take from this Virginia game, and how are we going to apply this to the rest of the season? Um, <clears throat> I mean, since it's so early and we don't know what Virginia's going to do yet, um... I'm, you know, I'm going to put an asterisk next what next to what I'm about to say. It's a like whenever when it comes down to selection Sunday, and no matter how what we've done in the Big Twelve season, this will be under the under the header "good win." This is a great win. This is this is something that you know if if we're up for a number one seed, this was something on our resume that'll make us that'll put us up to that. Or if, you know, hopefully not. But if we're a bubble team. This is something that would put us in the tournament. Absolutely. This 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 is a this is a great win. This is a huge win. This is amazing. Um, and I think you know if if we take the momentum out of this game, hopefully breeze through this non-conference and you know kind of 
take what we saw on Saturday, kind of fine-tune it a little bit, you know, try not to be so reliant on the three-point, you know, try not to shoot so poorly in the first half, you know, work on maybe playing a more complete game, um, trying not to throw elbows, Dax, um, then, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a chance for us to kind of see what we have, see how good we are compared to the elite talent, and then come January 10th, you know, we can fine-tune it by the time we get to January 10th. We think we could be able to, to give Baylor a really, really good game at home and then, you know, kind of capture the eyes of, of Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg and, and, and Joe Lenardi, um, when, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, coming down the stretch of the Big 12 season. Right. So, um, you know, just kind of ride this game on into through December and into January. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can carry this uh, momentum from this game really far. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know what momentum you can take out of it because you go into a really, I don't want to say an easy non-conference, but I mean, really, these are games that we're not, um, they don't have the same intensity level. I mean, I think, obviously, you have to look at this game and go, both teams, maybe, you know, I don't want to say us more than Virginia, but both teams understood what this matchup was. So, from that perspective, you came into a, a heavyweight fight, you came out victorious, and you can now go back to that experience for the rest of the season. Um, so, for me, that's kind of what I take out of it, is we have this now experience of saying, we got knocked down, because we got knocked down a few times in this game, we got back up, we kept punching, and we came out on the winning end. Um, what that means for the Big 12 play, I don't really know for sure, but we're going to play we're going to play some other heavyweights. We've got Baylor now to look at. We've got Kansas. We've got Iowa State. We've still got Oklahoma out there. You know, Texas is good. Uh, we've got you know some decent teams even below us. I mean, I don't I don't expect you know Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas Tech to be great. But like you know, with their new coaches coming in, we don't know what to expect. So they're going to be punchers, and you got to be prepared for that. Right, and I and I honestly, I, I mean, I didn't mean any disrespect earlier when I said I don't expect us to lose to those three teams. No, I mean that's just an but, expectation. That's like saying, right. we, I don't expect us to lose to Kansas or Iowa State in football. Um, right, but that doesn't mean that those teams aren't good and can give you problems if you don't come ready to play. Right, and and you know, <clears throat> against <clears throat> excuse me, um, against uh, Oklahoma State, TC, Texas Tech, Kansas State, you know, that's eight of the games in our schedule. I would not those. be surprised. Yeah, I would not be surprised if we lost one or two of those games. I mean, it's, it's just, just going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, probably can't, probably at Kansas State because it's Kansas State, and they always beat us for some reason. And Kansas State is a tough. I mean, let's be real. Kansas State is an actually tough place to play. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. The octagon or whatever they call it down there. It's, yeah, it's, the octagon the, of the doom. Octagon of doom. Um, but like you said, those are eight games on the schedule. That if you can go seven and one in those games. That's pretty good. In fact, that's why we did well in the conference last year in terms of standing-wise. I don't think we lost to any of those teams. So last year, we didn't lose to any of those four teams in the conference. We were 8-0 against them. If we can do 7-1, 8-0 again this year, that'll really help when it comes to, you know, because, you're. I mean, even Kansas lost to Texas Tech last year. You know, Oklahoma had upsets and Texas had upsets. So if you can avoid those and have a decent run, from those eight games, that'll put you in good standings in the conference. So I think, again, don't take those games lightly. Come in expecting to win and go do it. But really, we've got a really good chance going into that Baylor game to be a top, at least a top 15 team and maintain that. Because right now, we're at 6-1. and one. Obviously, no conference games. But 
we have five non-conference games that we can win. Then we have Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU. So that could be eight wins in a row. Not, well, you know, by then it'll be ten wins in a row going into that Baylor game. That could be a lot of momentum riding into the conference season. Right. I mean, depending on how bad we beat those four or those five. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I mean, yeah, this very good. I'm just, I don't mean to kind of like, I don't want to jinx West Virginia because I feel like I will if I say this. But um, really good chance West Virginia goes into January 10th, 14 and 1. Even a 13 and 2 record is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But 14 and 1 would be ideal. Yeah, hopefully if it's 13 and 2, it's against Texas Tech or Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah we don't need no. a non yeah. Yeah. We yeah, don't need so. another non-conference loss, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be um this 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 kind of re-energized the season for me. I wasn't really too sure after the Temple game. I now I'm really excited for what's ahead. Now I mean, we got so many good games. We got, you know, we got like you said, we got Baylor, we got Kansas. Don't undersell Texas A&M. They're, you know, they're not they're, bad either. Yeah, they're pretty good. They I think they're building a program down there. So that scares me too. Yeah, uh, they're 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 becoming more of a basketball school, and you know, I, like you said, Iowa State, and the, we got we got good games ahead, and I think this is the team that could really, you know, I, I didn't think so going into the season because we lost Devin Williams, but you know, who knows? This could be the team that pushes us to the next level. Absolutely, um, you know, and I think it's good to see a lot of guys contributing on offense, and that was something else that I saw from this game that I liked: a lot of guys contributing. Yeah, the one, I mean, the one thing I kind of. I mean, one other thing I kind of came up, that came out of this game for me is that just looking at the minutes played, you can tell who the who the leaders are. It's Issa, Nathan, Adrian, and Jamal right. Carter. Absolutely, they played, they played the, almost the entire game, and game. that's fine because those three guys are putting their heart and soul out there, and they're not really, you know, Javon has had a you know the Temple game, he didn't have a great game, but other than that, he's had a pretty solid season. And then with Issa and Nate, they're they're putting in a lot of work offensively. Um, so that, I mean, it's good. It's good. Yeah, and you know we got yeah you know, we got a, we got we got solid secondary players. I mean, Absolutely, yeah. Um, <coughs> you know, and, and obviously this is still the early season, so you know I think Hugs is still not quite sure about his secondary players and how much he can trust them. But you hope that guys like Tavon Myers and and Lamont West and and even Brandon Watkins can increase their minutes as the season goes on. Not necessarily I don't want to take away from Nate and Issa, but you need other guys in this type of a a, a style of play. To step up, um, but once you know this is we're like I said we're seven we're six and one we've got a, a good win under our belt we have a not so bad loss as well but uh, we've got some momentum now that we can build off of and you know heading into the rest of the the five non conference games a chance to really make a statement before we start our our Big Twelve play uh, any last thoughts about this Virginia game before we wrap it up here um, <clears throat> just this I mean. Another thing I take away from this Virginia game is that this is something that we need to start doing in the seasons going forward. If you're Shane Lyons, you know, I mean, I know football scheduling has been great. You know, we've got games ahead in football against Tennessee, NC State, Missouri, Pitt, Virginia Tech. Right. But this is something we need to do in basketball, too. We can't just have one or two big games and then have a whole bunch of, you know, pretend teams like Iowa does in football all the time. Right. Um you know, get Louisville on the phone, get Syracuse on the phone, get Georgetown on the phone, maybe get, you know, a Pac-12 team on the phone, like either UCLA, Oregon, or Cal. Right. Um, 
you know, we need more games like this. We can't just have one of these games every year. Well, and we had Gonzaga there uh, for a couple years, and that was that again was a big game. I mean, when we had them at home, we had a sellout, I think, and it was a non-conference game. So I agree, like those are good things to have. I mean, we need one big non-conference game at home. I would think each year. Right. I mean, yeah. No, no, they're not. We're not going to sell the Coliseum against Mississippi Valley State. I've seen it. It doesn't happen. (laughs) And and it should. I mean. Look, I would I would harp on our football fans for not showing up well, but for basketball, when you know that you have nine games at home against conference teams, we know where the priority is. We get it. But yeah, I mean, it, it would have been nice to have been able to play Virginia in this series at home, but we don't. We have to go play them in Brooklyn last year, where we lost, and then we turn around and beat them on their home floor this year, which was nice. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else. I mean, like I said, West Virginia goes to the five remaining non-conference games, Western Kentucky, Missouri, Kansas City, Radford, uh, VMI, Radford, Northern Kentucky. So um, not much really to talk about until we start getting closer to our Big 12 conference play. So uh, John and I will return about uh, talking about WVU basketball once that December 30th game against Oklahoma State approaches. So, uh, John, thanks again for joining me tonight. I appreciate your insight as always. I have a lot more to talk about now with Smitty in Part 3, but um, before I get to that, anything you want to talk about with uh, real quick about about our football team? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, if you want me on there, I mean, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me, like, two sentences about this 10-2 and two season that we just had. Okay, uh... Committee needs to go away, and they just need to bring back the BCS and have a playoff based off of that. Because I think West I, Virginia would not be 16th if that was. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly, and the BCS using to, to determine the playoff. Yeah, and that, and then also to add, you know, Holgerson. Glad you're glad you're sticking around for another five more years, buddy. I'm really glad you're here because really, what it comes down to is that Logan Holgerson, his son, is going to be my you know, high school's quarterback for the next few years. <laughs> that's true. So, I mean, that that's what it's really about, guys. I that's mean, it, all that matters. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I mean, really, this is, this is great for uh, WVU football. I think, you know, he's really built a brand now here. And, I, you know, I mean, if, if, if Tony Gibson doesn't go anywhere, I think we're going to have some <laughs> success going that. forward. So, uh, yeah, I mean, on that point, Merry Christmas, because I'm assuming you guys are – I mean, I'm assuming we're not going to have another one before Christmas, right? We don't have any – I mean, like I said, we don't really have much basketball to talk about until – we will talk to you probably right after Christmas. We'll get a bowl game preview. And with that, we'll have a kind of uh, non-con recap and a conference preview um, for basketball on that as well. So, um, yeah, right. look, look for something after Christmas and before the bowl game. And, John, we'll be glad to have you back on again. So, again, thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, no problem. And, uh, yeah, to everyone out there, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Festivus, whatever you celebrate, you know, Happy <laughs> Holidays. Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, so again, for John Lowe, Bart Keeler, thanks for joining me here in part two as we talk some WVU basketball. Join me in part three as Smitty and I talk about WVU football's win over Baylor.
Bye, Goders. Welcome to part three of this week's edition of the Smoking Musket Podcast. I am ecstatic to introduce to you again one of the former hosts of this podcast, Smithfire13. Smitty, how you doing tonight? Not bad, man. It's, it's good to be back. It feels good. It's weird to be on like the other side of this. But... Like you actually are like asked to give information? Yeah, it's yeah. like like the whole like Charlie Rose like having to get on the other side of the table. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm Charlie Rose, obviously. But I, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you're not. Sure, of course. And like, uh, just for the listening audience, uh, like, sorry about my uh, raspy throat. The I don't know cold slash going to Mountaineer Games and uh, sitting out in the cold slash trying to stay warm in Mountaineer Games through alternate uh, <clears throat> Means? uh i don't know yeah methods not <laughs> i mean i bundled up and everything but sometimes you just kind of kind of you know homeopathic or, methods right yeah yeah that's pretty much it make the blood vessels go closer to the skin something through uh, means of alcohol sure that's yeah we're all we're all adults here <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to <laughs> some of us are <laughs> yeah yeah it's all good but yeah, man, not bad. Uh, been going, living my life one practice question at a time. Uh, I'm uh, studying for a exam, which is fun. But yeah. also, anybody living in the Morgantown, Fairmont, North Central West Virginia area, like we've been sending in stuff to WCLG for them to read off. I have no idea if they're actually reading any of this. I've been doing it for about like three weeks now, getting up early and like writing like a little thirty-second script. That I guess I'm not like good enough for the radio just to do, do myself. They have someone else read it. And I still actually haven't heard it live. I have no idea either. I have, I have no, no idea. idea. So if anybody wants to let me know if that's actually going through, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, they email me whenever it's late. So I guess they're like. They need it? I, I, I have no idea. I don't know. But I guess they also have like a new like live show in like the morning. They used to have Lex and Terry for anybody yes. who was from that area but now they do i believe their own and I'm, i think they're going to try to have like either you or me or somebody from the musket on whenever like once someone's available in the morning uh, eventually but so that's no that's going on um that's pretty much it how are you How how's it going i know you've had a busy you... uh busy episode from what i understand dude i have had mike kazaza on we talked about dana's contract extension sure i kind of wanted to argue that like I don't think we got a contract extension. We got a new coach. His name is Dapper Dana Holgerson. And sure. he is obviously a significantly better coach than just regular Dana Holgerson. Yeah, I could see that. So, you know, but Mike and I talked about that. Uh, great, great stuff. I mean, honestly, I expected it. I think it's fair because as agrees. So it makes me feel good when, like, an expert agrees with me, you know? No, I, sure. I, I mean, like, what? What I mean to I mean I have not listened to the interview that obviously because the podcast is not released, but that, that would be works? crazy if it was. Well, if we were like doing this live, which is a thing I could I guess we could do, but whatever. But um, uh, what did he agree with you on? I'm, uh, I'm curious. A couple things. One, you know, this is some people think that Shane maybe got you know taken a little bit because Dana got a lot of money, but I was like, isn't this what he wanted? We both agreed that this is kind of what he wanted. He wanted to put the pressure on Dana. Dana delivered, and so you get a contract because of that. Well, I mean, like, what are the final, like, figures? I haven't, I don't know if I've actually so heard. So, the, the final figure is five years, $18.6 and he will max out in his final year at $4 million. 
more than any coach WVU has ever had made. So, I mean that 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 makes sense. I mean, We're like it's nothing now. compared to the, some of the numbers we've heard about. I guess it would be this would be Tuesday, but um, I don't know when this is coming out. But like, what was it? Uh, Baylor offered uh, what was Matt it? Gundy like sixty million. Uh, yeah. What a gu- a Gundy million or whatever yeah. a Gundillion. A a Gundred million. Yes. So and now Gundy's <laughs> Gundy needs to go to Oregon. I hope. I hope. Yeah. I, like. I mean, of course, out, like this might be outdated, Oregon. but like we know that now Matt Rule is going to Baylor. Good for him. Which hey, is funny how we're talking about Baylor in part three, but we're not actually talking about the game. Uh, which, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so that's too bad because Matt Rule seems like a pretty decent guy, and Baylor's not uh, not a pretty decent guy just in general, like. I'm assuming. I, I mean, I have has nothing to do with them talk. being Baptist. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, no. I'm sure that that's fine. I used to. I went right. to the Baptist temple as like a, a toddler for preschool. They were they were cool. <laughs> they gave me. They almost tried to fail me because I didn't pass. Uh, what was it? What was it? Please tell it was me like motor skills. <laughs> like I guess I could. Like I still kind of have like a little bit of trouble with like scissors. I'm I'm still not sure. Like like people go crazy with like scissors. They're able to do like all the angles. I'm still no, not 100 sure what to do with those. I legit like missed that day in kindergarten. I'm not even joking. You missed the uh, the scissor day. <laughs> scissor day. Because <laughs> I have the same problem. Like I can cut things, but it's like I don't know how do you make this snowflake thing. I don't sure. what. Well, I mean, good thing you're not like of the opposite gender or sex, I guess. Both. Sure. <laughs> what? Right. We don't really know in this day and age, to be quite fair. Good point. Yeah. Uh, or left-handed, because that could be. Well, I was too. just saying, because like you know, scissoring—that's a thing, right? <laughs> in case, in case anybody wasn't sure of the joke I was trying to get. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my yeah. lord. And so yeah, so like I just like. <laughs> Sex is like what you what your your DNA is, right? And gender yes. is what you identify as. Yeah, and gender is like, yeah, gender is masculine and feminine. Sex is male or female. So yeah, gender is qualities. Sex is biology. Yeah, gotcha. I think that's the way I've been explained it. So what would this podcast identify as? Uh, it identifies as a wannabe news talk radio show yeah but it ends up being the furthest thing from sports news talk and it's just sports opining most of the time well yeah that's what i mean if there were like i mean i'm assuming this is part three and you're the host now a lot more people are listening to this than whenever i was at the host at the time um (laughs) i would assume that's what people tune in i mean mike and i have had some great weeks of like really being upset about one, WV football, and two, our fan base being stupid. Sure. Because, I don't know if you're aware, but apparently 10-2 and two is not the best season that we've ever, I mean, I don't know where we get off saying that this is a bad season or whatever. Who's saying it's a bad season? A lot of our fans are like, well, 10-2, and two, I was, why are we giving him a contract extension, blah, 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 and he hasn't proven anything, and I'm like, uh, he won well, 10- Okay, so like, are all these people on Facebook... There are some on Twitter. There are some on Twitter. Are they eggs? Are they egg emojis? No, they're not egg egg emojis. They are not egg emojis. They are, like, real people. According to their emoji. I mean, that could be a picture of someone else. I mean, catfishing is a thing. That's true. 
I'm not going to take the time to verify that each person is a living person and voting. Okay, I mean, okay, all right. So, like, but for for funsies, I mean, since we've already sort of kind of like accidentally transitioned into this, what do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about the game, or do we want to talk about like the season as a whole? Because we've already mentioned about how is this a good season, and um, I mean, we could answer that pretty quickly. But well, I mean, you're the host. This is up to you. I'm a let me for the let ride. me preface all this by saying West Virginia defeated Baylor in our final regular season game, twenty four to twenty one. Uh, that puts us at ten and two, seven and two overall in the big uh, in the Big Twelve Conference. Baylor loses its sixth game in a row. I hate it for you, um, but yeah. So I don't know. We're at ten and two. We finished our conference. We finished our season. We finished our conference third. I'm looking at it going. That's pretty good. Ten wins is a good season, people. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, no, obviously. <laughs> well, like we in our very amateur uh, first time ever YouTube video, um, we said seven and four would probably be pretty decent. I did not if... see nine wins for us. Now, granted, no. there are some not great teams this year in the Big Twelve, but I felt like eight was our ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's I mean, obviously, like I put it pretty much. Hard. Of course, I'm a huge pessimist whenever it comes to predictions because that's how I just kind of like Are. manage my emotions. But yes. um, uh, I, I mean, first off, number one, this is a good season. Yeah. I mean, it, I would actually even say this is a great season. This is our first ten win regular season since 2007. Yeah. So like, what wasn't there? Like, uh, I'm sorry for not having it in front of me, but there was like some type of tweet that I believe Kircher put out something about like. We've only had like six or seven of these. Yeah, like, like we don't ever. have a whole lot of ten win seasons. And this uh, is and I don't know the guy who was our head coach There's, for twenty one years only yeah. had two ten win Correct. seasons in total. The guy who has been our head coach for six years now has two ten win seasons. One of those he achieved in the regular season. That's true, and also I'm, I mean you could I would be really interested to see. Like, obviously, uh, recruiting rankings only go back so far, but I would really like to know. I guess, like, do you know what ELO is? Um, uh, me, personally? Yes. Okay. All right, so you – all right, so I guess th- it would just be better if I actually explained it to the audience. So ELO is a – like, at first it used to be used in chess Yeah. for um, just rating every player and game ever. Just going back to as far as it could go, just rating them all compared to each other. And so um, I guess what I would be saying, like, I'm pretty sure that's what Bill Connolly's going to try to do here pretty soon, that he's going to try to just go back and just rate every team ever and decide who are the actually statistically best teams, God like blah, 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 whatever. But what I'm saying, what I'm meaning to say is that if you – Go against like the talent that we've had to face. I mean, the old Miami days—they were they were basically Bama, but yeah. um, but the fact that you're playing against Big Twelve teams, Big Twelve programs that are dump, dumping a ton of money in all of their programs. I mean, these are not small programs, no. and West Virginia has been able to manage it quite quite well, um, considering the resources that West Virginia has. And I, I don't know, man. I mean, like we were playing number, catch up. also one very small thing is just the fact that, I mean, we were looking at the, 
schedule at the beginning of the year. And yes, we had the two early bye weeks. And then which after that, which absolutely like we, I was saying that it's going to start off pretty well. And then we're going to temper off because we do not, we just didn't have the depth in my opinion. I didn't think we did because we're a, like, we're a very deep three star team, which oh, totally. is yeah. fine in the beginning of this season, whenever you're going up against Oklahoma, Oklahoma state and Baylor. And I mean, like going, looking at the time in Texas, uh, everybody at the end of your season, you're going up against four stars against like maybe like decent three stars that don't have a lot of experience whenever you're talking about their roster. And West Virginia is still still able well, they would go like five and two. Yeah. After maybe six and two after the last bye week. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, technically we went six and two in the after the bye week before uh uh Texas Tech. Yes, exactly. And our so, two losses were to two teams that finished above us in the standings. Yeah. We've had, I mean, we did this having to deal with injuries. We didn't get lucky in injuries. No, no. We had, we legitimately had one of the worst years that I can remember when it came to injuries. Be it at the beginning of the season to injuries that happened during the season. We lost a lot of guys that were very key to our success or should be key to our success as a football team. We're talking offensive linemen. We're talking experienced defensive backs. We're talking running backs. And we still got. Yeah, I mean, like, w- I mean, whenever you first started that, I mean, yes, uh, shit, I can't remember his name right now. Who went down as a left tackle? Caduce. Right, uh, um, yes, yeah. Yanni Caduce, whatever, Yanni. goes Caduce, down Caduce, like the first whatever. drive against Missouri. Yeah, against a like an NFL. Well, I mean, what we thought Charles Harris was going to be very, very good, and then his backup does very, very well at that point. And then even before the season, Jafonsky Henry, who, by the way, I mean. He's coming back next year. Yeah, that's good. And he like he was by far the most I don't know seasoned veteran in the defense, and we go through the entire slate and get ten wins without him. Yep. and still have one of the best defenses in the country, and one of the best comes to, like, backfields in the country. Yeah, I mean, we forced a lot of interceptions and a lot of. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously we're kind of on the same page here. We yeah. believe yeah. that this was unequivocally. I'm sorry, unequivocally. A good season. This it, is the. Uh, it's, it's such a very small way. Like good. It, like yes, it is good. You could even possibly say it was great. Um, it, I is it an all-time great? No, because we Top ultimately. 10? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, I think the thing that a lot of fans are mad about is that we ultimately don't get to end up playing for anything of substance. Does that make sense? We get to play for a Russell Athletic Bowl against Miami, which I'm excited so people, for. Or, or are people saying that we're not playing in a New Year's Six Bowl? I don't think that's it. They are a little upset that we're playing in a, the Russell Athletic Bowl. And I've heard that from fans that I talked to at, at, when I was at our alumni watch party um, on Saturday. And I had to remind them that the Russell people, the Russell Athletic Bowl is the third bowl tie-in the Big 12 has. Right. We finished third. I'm not the best at like math, but I, I. How? Where else did you want us to go? This is true. Um, it's, not, it's not our fault. Oklahoma didn't get into the college football playoff. And no, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that's it. Totally makes sense. I mean, that we go where we're slotted. Um, here's something that I feel like people need to understand. 
and I don't know, maybe this is simplifying a little bit too much, but where is the Russell Athletic Bowl? Uh, Orlando, Florida, at Camping World Stadium. The only way this would be better for our recruiting is if we were playing in the Orange Bowl. Literally, the only other way. And we still recruit, like, we can still get recruits up there. We like, may have more is... recruits from Miami than Miami has fans from Miami. In the, and the and that's the second part. We might be playing the best team that we could possibly be playing whenever it comes to recruiting. Right. Like, playing the U in Orlando, and if we go down there and win, oh my god. Like, just, I, I mean... Florida State had a pretty good season. Like they, they lost. They had a lackluster ending, I guess. Florida ended up getting stomped in the SEC championship game and still ended up winning the East. Um, obviously, well, like I mean, we shoot. don't do a very good job. Like uh, we're not in that tier of recruiting quite yet. No, but not. I would still say. I mean, like after that, we're probably going up against. I mean, like pretty much everyone else in the SEC in Miami. And right. just, like, different people that will be going after three stars and four stars. So, th- this is a pivotal game. Absolutely. Whenever it comes to th- 2019. Well, and, like, yeah, I mean, this is one of those games where, to me, this is a statement game. You can make a statement with this game. You can be 11-2. and two. You can beat a not terrible Miami team. I mean, they're 8-4. and four. They're not bad. No, um, no. In Although your, they do have a quote college basketball bad loss on their schedule, of course they are one of Notre Dame's four wins. Yes, <laughs> which any t- literally any time a Miami fan, so obvi- uh, my, any Miami fan who tries to talk any crap to me, I'm going to remind you that you are one of Notre Dame's four wins this season. I my biggest regret is not having to leave the podcast during a 10-win season, but it is leaving the podcast during a Notre Dame 8-loss season. You know what's better than Notre Dame's 4th loss, 5th loss, 6th loss, 7th loss? It's definitely their 8th loss. Their 8th loss. It's the best. Uh, Actually, it was a come-from-behind, or come-from-ahead loss, I guess. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, they did a good job of that. God. All right. Okay, so we're ten and two. We got that way because we beat Baylor twenty four to twenty one. Um, this game was closer than it should have been, and I don't want to put the blame all on one person. It's not my fault. But I mean, were you double fisting at the game? I was not. Okay, good. So it's not your fault. Oh wait. Although wasn't that the game? I might have been for a point. Okay. Well, I ended cold. up meeting up with our mutual friend Ron, who is our also mutual friend's dad who so. is known to be a uh, pusher <laughs> sure <laughs> yes uh usually bart pusher means something different in southern west virginia it's usually pharmaceuticals but uh this well, man that's not him offered me yeah he texted me and he was like know. hey you, i will buy you a beer if you meet me up meet up with me at the game and i said well okay <laughs> And so, actually, the terrible second quarter that we had that uh, I actually didn't watch. And then by the time I got back for halftime, we were fine again. So it was probably actually my fault. It might have been my fault. Well, I'm going to put the blame on another person. (laughs) And I know he's a 22-year-old college kid, but (laughs) I'm just saying. Okay, well, first off, number one, you're you're really uh, burying the lead here. Senior day. 
it was senior day. It was senior day at, at Mountaineer Field, Milan Pushkar Stadium. And, and as my very featured Twitter said, uh, the only booze that came from Morgantown uh, this week was when the stadium would go back to having the football game instead of having the basketball game. <laughs> I saw that. Oh. Beating Virginia. Uh, but yeah, so Skylar Howard does not get booed for no. senior day. Although, if you could have picked a game, yeah, this one would have been a game. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't Go believe in booing. You. We've obviously said this plenty of times on this podcast. You're more of a hissing person. Yeah, yeah. Why are you booing a college athlete? That said, I will criticize them when necessary. And when you go 10 for 26 for 111 yards, you kind of deserve some criticism there, yeah? Um, I, I don't find any problem with that. Okay. He did have two touchdown passes. That's true. One of those, I'm not saying he didn't throw a good pass, he, but he literally threw it in the only spot that anyone on the field could catch it, and that was for Dekeel Shorts, who I don't know how he came down with the touchdown. He, like, matrixed that and switched feet during midair, and, like, I, I don't know how he did it. But he did come down with Dekeel Shorts, does get the, the wonder catch for the touchdown. Uh, I think that actually was the game ceiling touchdown. Uh, I sure. We're going to go with that. That was a game ceiling touchdown. <laughs> I am not a credible source for this game. Uh, it was not. That was Justin Crawford's one-yard run. Anyway. Also, you are very fuzzy, and I do not know if that's on my side or your side. Um, it might be on my side because Mike was having a hard time, like fully understanding me. So I don't know what that is. Our internet here is terrible. I don't necessarily mean uh, uh, recording software either. Uh, this this seems like it could be a connection issue. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's a connection. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, literally, me saying that was because I couldn't hear anything that you said. <laughs> well, why don't you hear me? I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. You sound like very, uh, like, in an elevator type situation, which I hope you're not. I'm not. I'm in an office, a room, and a house. I've had this problem. I don't know why. It sounds good on my end, like, when I listen to the recording, but I think it's right. the internet. I think it's our internet. It has been crappy for... Uh, the last month. So I don't know. My landlord says she'll fix it and she hasn't fixed it yet. Oh, 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 oh nice. Um, I didn't know that you moved into your own place. <laughs> I did not. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> my so, landlord. Are you talking about my... your mom? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. I'm sorry. That's, uh, that is totally up to you. Uh, if you want to keep that in, but I very much enjoyed I, it. We might have to put that, leave that in. Oh, <laughs> uh, actually, so my parents, when they first moved to Georgia, managed a trailer park that my grandparents owned, and my mom was known as the rent lady. Well, sure, because <laughs> that was her job uh, is to collect rent. Nice. <laughs> oh, let's get back to football. So, yep, sorry Tyler about that. Howard, no interceptions, two touchdowns, but ten for twenty-six. Not the best Not week great. to have after you come off of a, you come into senior day and you make comments about Mountaineer fans booing you and you go have a completion percentage, 38.4% completion percentage. And the, I think the fewest yards he's produced all season. So not his best game, but he does have 11 carries, 26 yards and a touchdown. 
that was pretty good. That's, I mean, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. And a couple yeah. of those, he had more yards gained, but he had a couple of sacks that aren't his fault necessarily. So this is true. Uh, Mike Molina misses two field goals on the day. Um, I don't want to say they're particularly long or short, but I mean, he does go one for three. That's uh, you'd like to have. I mean, those six points would have made this game a lot more comfortable. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't know. It is true. Do you think that altered Dana's like play calling when it got time to like make those decisions? Probably. Um, although, uh, I think like after what was it, like the third quarter, West Virginia had like a pretty good, uh, like decently okay success rate. So, um, I feel like like we kind of started like getting momentum. Momentum. I feel like everyone in the crowd, or at least in the stadium felt that once they kind of got it going, um, we just weren't going to lose. Yeah. For some reason, I just never really felt like we were going to lose the game. Um, So, I mean, we'd seen it before. I mean, K-State wasn't super unlike this game um, outside of, like, four turnovers. But... Right. Yeah, it probably... I mean, I don't have any statistical data. (laughs) Yeah. But... um, but I would say, like, he probably, like, every once in a while, like, went, over, went forward on fourth down and kind of approached certain plays knowing that um, if they didn't work out, he was just going to go for it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I would actually really like to rewatch this game. Yeah. I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I know I am fully aware. I probably should have... Uh, uh, rewatched the uh, game. Let you know about this. I, I, I'm not 100% sure... About a lot of this game. It's okay. I don't think I'm 100% sure either because I don't really know why things happen. We were down 14 to 10 at halftime. No, I'm familiar with this. So, the at that point, I was a little nervous, to be quite honest. I was like, we can't. I don't know. I just feel like the the four turnovers that they had. Yes. And, like, they just continued to just hand us points. And so I just never really felt like it was, I don't know a huge problem just because, I mean, like, yes, on the final drive, they are like, like they are three, they're driving that if they get across to like into field goal range, they can put it in overtime. Yeah. Totally get there. And West Virginia had the ability to put it away up three and they did not do it. Nope. Like they, they, they had the ability like three or four times that if they were just able to get one or two first downs, the thing's over. And they just did not do it. Nope. And that was probably for me. I mean, like, they ended the game, what, with three punts? Uh, yeah. I mean, the drive cart chart, we, we scored up to go up 24-14, and then we went punt, punt, punt. Yeah. Can't have that whenever you're trying to finish a game at home. No. You got to have huh. – and, and the punts, I mean, you had one drive that was six, five plays. Okay. One another drive that was five plays, and then final drive where we needed to put it away, three plays. Yeah, that, so got to do better than that. Yeah, I mean that that's a concern. Um, I don't know. I feel like that that kind of goes with a lot of the the um, theme of this year is sometimes we just struggle to actually finish and you know be it finish a drive, finish a, a game. We struggle with that this year. It's but, true. I mean, like we kind of. Already, like, know it in, number one, we, we definitely know that the defense is better than the offense. I mean, this defense uh, has yeah. won the game several times all over throughout this year. Uh, you would think, 
I mean, like that was completely the opposite of what we expected at the beginning of the season with all the uh, returning members of the offense. Like you would, like we were hoping it would just be another Kevin White, uh, uh, Mario Alford situation Absolutely. where like they slowly matured into very explosive players, which we might have actually saw something against Baylor. Like finally, West Virginia is able to score from outside of the 30 like we're able to completely take a pass all the way to the house thank god but two weeks i mean like i don't know like we thought that was going to be the case against arizona state last year we thought that was going to be the turning point and then we come out against missouri and we are fine and we're just like okay for the whole season on offense where the defense is consistently saving our ass um but so like i i don't necessarily know if i expected west virginia to light up the board just because I mean, how many times have they actually done that this year? Yeah. But, I mean, like, what, Kansas and Iowa State and Texas Tech? Yeah. Is that it? I think so. I think so, right? I mean, TCU, what, we get, like, 31 or something like yeah, that? It's not did. like we put, like, a billion on people. No. So, um, that's 17 and a half spread. I mean, that was assuming Baylor had, what, like, three points? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah apparently. Well, and I did ex- – I mean, I expected us to do better – um, at keeping Baylor from scoring, but I think a lot of the—I mean—they scored three touchdowns, which for Baylor is traditional. What Baylor has been since we've known Baylor, it, three touchdowns is not a lot. But they gave us four turnovers, and we had none. You would have hoped that with those four turnovers, we would have been able to do something more than just score twenty-four points. Absolutely, and yeah. I mean, I think that is. Why I believe, I mean, like, if you look at West Virginia's ranking right now in the S&P Plus, I mean, we're a 10-win team that's in the 50s. Yeah. that's We dropped 20 points, like a ranking of 20. We were 32, and after this one game, we went from 32 to 52. That, number one, I, I mean, I mean, this is... Uh, I don't know. I've lost a lot of faith in the S&P Plus. I think, uh, I think, and we've talked about this a little bit off air, I think the S&P Plus does fail to take into account one major like thing. And I think that they fail to take into account actually winning football games. It, it measures so much the, you know, assumed or, or, you know, statistically supported ways in which you win a game, right? Right. Like, uh, the five factors that they, they look at. But, yeah, I mean, West Virginia doesn't care how they win. But, yeah, that's the thing. Like, we have 4-8 and eight Notre Dame above us. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't buy that 4-8 and eight Notre Dame statistically is a better team than West Virginia. I mean, but, I believe that we beat Law Tech. I believe that I believe we beat Georgia Tech. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. I believe that we beat Northwestern and Indiana. Indiana would actually be a fun game. Yeah. Tulsa, San Diego State, we beat Texas, we beat TCU. Yeah. Like, we keep on going up. We're in the 40s right now. Yeah. Depending on what time we play, like, what part of the year we probably beat Tennessee, we might beat Florida, depending on where it is. I think we beat Florida. Florida can't do anything on offense. Yep. We beat Memphis. uh, Utah would be fun. Um, I don't know if we beat Utah, but that would be a hell of a game. Yeah, we beat K State. We I'm skipping South Florida just because I don't really want to think about it. Um, I believe we're better than Minnesota. Western Michigan would be an interesting game. Toledo without Mac Campbell actually had a pretty good year, which is yeah. interesting. I don't know, man. I mean, we beat BYU on a neutral field. Yep. 
I mean, that's that's what is frustrating too, is because again, and these are just like it's hard to get mad at S and P because it literally is just statistical conglomeration right. of your ranking. But I mean, like you said, there are several teams on that list above us that we we physically beat, and we're ranked below them. And Notre Dame is four and eight at and at number twenty five, which yep. is. I mean, we went we went to Austin and won. Yeah, we did that. So uh, I, I I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about those rankings. They piss me off, but like, what are you going to do? They're the statistical fact. But again, I think that he failed sometimes to look at actually winning football games. Yeah, I didn't necessarily mean to hijack this and make it a an S and P plus. Uh, oh yeah, I mean yeah, riff yeah. on the S and P plus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll have time to talk about some other rankings uh, later, but I mean, I think the S&P does show what, I mean, and we saw it in this game, the problems that we have. We don't score the way we should. We put up a ton of yards. We do not score. That's frustrating as all get out. Um, We don't, we're not, I mean, for being an efficient offense, we don't do what matters when it comes to efficiency on offense. And that's, we were four for 18 on third down. That's not good. Um, Again, 422 yards, only 24 points. Um, we had 311 yards rushing. So if you have, if if I'm a West Virginia fan, obviously, and if I'm just a fan of a team, and my team has 311 yards rushing, we better have more than 24 points. Yep, absolutely. Uh, unless you're like Georgia Tech or Navy, but even still. Yeah, and especially whenever you're starting. I think like the starting field position was like at the 36. Our starting field position so it's was like, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, now that's because we were given the ball four times like, and good field position. Yes. Very good field position. But yeah. again, points to the fact that we weren't able to like really capitalize on that, and that that to me is a problem. Um, Can I, I just point out two things real quick? I just really kind of enjoy. I know absolutely. you're talking about the offense, but Shock Linwood six rushes, twenty nine yards. Yeah. And Katie yeah. Cannon for eleven targets, five catches, eighty four yards. So, I mean, defensively, we... we it's just nice looking there. back. Like, I know, like, Baylor doesn't play the same way they did before. But, but it's, like, those dudes have lit us up in pa- in the past. Uh, those dudes are going to play in the NFL. Like, yeah. let's be real. Linwood, Cannon, they're going to the NFL. I mean, like, depending on their criminal record. Which, I mean, evidently is... I mean, uh, it's hit or miss in the NFL if they, met, if they care. It's literally... <laughs> hit or miss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm so sorry. Uh, Williams, though, for Baylor, did have 11 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown. He was he will be tough to, to deal with in the future. Uh, but other than that, I mean, shoot. Zach Smith was 15 for 31. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. QBR of 27.6. So he had a, statistically had a worse day than Skylar Howard. Um, we were able to not, for the most part, we were able to keep Baylor from making big plays. And that's been the MO of the defense all year. Like, our defense did exactly what I expected them to this game. I have a question. Yes. Is Skylar good? He's not bad. Okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, my buddy Thomas, you remember him from the Oklahoma game, he texted me after that game, and he goes, hey, guess what? Only three more games with Skylar Howard. It's true. Uh, it is true. Um. And I hate it for the kid because he's going to end up being like the third best passer in school history. 
like from a statistical standpoint, going to have the numbers. But, I mean, I feel like, and this is kind of true, we've won a lot of times in spite of his play. I don't think that's unfair to say. Like, I mean, I look at specifically the Oklahoma State game this year where we lost, and I'm not saying it's all his fault, but it's not not his fault. Huge picks. Uh, and fumble. Um, the yep. Texas game, holy hell. I mean, that was a very bad performance from him, and we, and really the entire team, we, you know, offense in general was bad there. And this is your senior year, dude, like. Yeah, like, you don't have an excuse to make stupid throws anymore. And I still maintain, like, I, I still maintain that a lot of the reason we don't have the yak that we've wanted has to do with the fact that Skyler's not really putting the ball in a position for them to go make plays after the catch. That's. Totally inbounds to say that like, uh, yes, he's thrown behind a lot of receivers and they've had to catch the ball behind him. Thank God we have decent guys who can catch the ball. Um, he has not really done a good job, especially on the screenplay. I think, I feel like, I don't know if uh, I haven't looked at, uh, you know, really close, but like we have not had success on the screenplay and that's usually a hallmark of this air raid offense type thing. And believe it or not, we're still an air raid type offense. Like our offense still tries to do that. Um, it was incredibly frustrating to watch. You're saying this while Justin Crawford has 28 <laughs> rushes yes, for 200 right. I'm just saying, like, from a passing standpoint, <laughs> schematically. I, I totally, yes, I totally understand. Yep. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, it, am I the only one? I know I'm not the only one who was super frustrated by the fact that it seemed like every pass that he threw, basically, and especially in the first half, was just chuck it downfield and see what happens. A la when Clint Trickett threw it up to Kevin White like 90 times a game. and Well, that might have been also the glam- I mean, the game plan. I mean, Yeah, but it clearly didn't work all that well. I'm just saying. I don't know. Uh, so that's not necessarily on Skyler, but that's just one of those where like, can we do something different? Um, so you mentioned Justin Crawford, 28 carries, 209 yards. Uh, he does eclipse the 1,000-yard rushing mark. So that's pretty impressive considering that, I mean, shoot, the guy's been battling an injury for the past four or five weeks. Um, didn't, like, he saw minimal carries in several games this season. Still got over 1,000 yards. Not bad. That's a good season. Uh, this will be very good for his uh, performance incentives. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of performance incentives, uh, Martel Petway, 16 carries, 63 yards, uh, continuing pretty good. I mean, he ran pretty well, uh, continuing, continuing his performance from the Iowa State game where we had to burn his red shirt. That kind of sucks, but I mean, it is what it is. Under his Snapchat user. Is he really? He's not bad. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not that great, but I mean, I mean, like today he had like. <clears throat> like three, probably maybe like six or seven ones all like strung out. And he put like uh college student rich. <laughs> pretty, I mean, I, That's I enjoyed actually it. kind of funny. It's pretty good. Uh, uh, yeah. A lot yeah. of snaps from inside the, uh, the team. Uh, oh. I don't know, like the lounge. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of billiard snaps. Oh, nice. Good times. A lot of training room snaps. Training Huge room. creep over here. So hey, that's okay. I'm I follow Will Greer and all three or his two little brothers and I should probably do that. 
You, you should see- send me. What's this? I mean, should we tell the, the public? I mean, is it is his handle just whatever his Twitter name is or something? I don't you know. can find him pretty easily. I'll just put it that way. And if you know who his this is, his are, name Will Greer. That's not on Will Greer Snapchat. on Snapchat, Instagram, or uh, Twitter. But it's is it Will Griggs? No. <laughs> Well, Greg's on fire. <laughs> I can't wait for that, to be quite honest. I'm, I, dude, I am 90% sure I'm not going to the Virginia Tech game. That, I don't understand. I can't. I cannot. I, uh, I will get into a fight. I know I will. I know me. I've met me. I've, I know how I react about around Virginia Tech. It is worse than Pitt for me. Personally, I'm from North Central West Virginia. is worse is worse for me. Well, okay, Tech. I think Pitt. It, it, I think the Virginia Tech rivalry is worse because their fans like legitimately do care about football. Yes, again, they are their, actual yeah, real life fans. Yeah, like Pitt fans, they are care, high, but they're not like they're yeah. Schrodinger's fans. They both are there and they're not. Yes, the same exactly. <laughs> Physics jokes. Oh. Look, if I can survive going to the Georgia Florida game, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm saying I'm not a definite attendee, and it'll absolutely 100% not be a neutral side game. That will be absolutely an away game. It will. It will like, be. It will be. It'll be 80-20. Given how our fans figured out, you know, failed to get there for this year. Now, I still think that there's going to be more Mountaineer fans making that trip just because it's Virginia Tech. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I but that place is going to be obnoxious With for Virginia Tech. stupid color combination they have. I don't understand that color combination. It's like... What, the, the maroon? Yeah, the maroon orange. and orange. I don't get it. It's not great. Is that a turkey? Is that, like, is that what turkeys are? I mean... I thought- are turkeys brown? I thought they were brown. They're not orange, are they? I don't think they have orange on. Is them. like the is the like I, I, I'm not that familiar with turkeys. I'm sorry, all I of ate the them. that are, that are <clears throat> all the hunters that are listening. I mean, like from what I understand, I thought turkeys were like were brown, brownish like, black. What's the what's the thing that's on the, it's on red. the beak? It's red, right? Yeah. What's the what what's the beak? Is it orange? I mean, maybe. Might be black. I think it's like white or like one of those like off. I, I feel like it's the same color as like a deer antler. If that makes sense. Like it's not. It, I don't know. <laughs> I Google turkey. I was going to say, I, I literally Google wild turkey and what do I get? <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Oh. I, I don't see any orange on this thing. I don't man. really see any orange either. And like. These are huge turkeys that came up. Well, you know what they say about huge turkeys. Um, does it have anything to do with... Uh, it's not like a good joke if I can't remember his name. Shit. Dennis Kalichla? <laughs> I don't see any orange on this. I don't see any orange. Or, like, really maroon. Like, Brown and red, but like they're turkeys not are a little them. ugly, man. Turkeys are ugly. Like, not even gonna try to lie, they're kind of ugly. These were almost our like national bird. Thanks, Ben Franklin. Yeah. 
Thank God. I already have the beef with Ben Franklin anyway. In a very wait. Why do you have beef with Ben Franklin? Because he like he made a call. Okay, this is super inside baseball. He made like for electricity. He said it was flowing a certain way, and he had two choices, and he was wrong. <laughs> he like it, he like the Ben Franklin way that we use is wrong. Really? Yeah. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Hot takes from an electrical engineer, y'all. It's fucking true, man. I, I don't know if we'd still, like, whatever. But, yeah, man, like, whenever, like, there, whenever you're doing, like, equations and stuff like that, you either have to follow the current or you have to go away from the current and never make everything negative. Yeah. Like, and, like, current is technically the flow of electrons. Okay. And that's negative charge. Right. But we follow positive charge. We are going against the way it's going because Ben Franklin. Wow. Okay. It's stupid. Okay. It's that is super dumb. Yeah. And everybody does it. Like the entirety of the world does this this way because Ben Franklin was wrong. America. And because somehow the Philly Union has something to do with this. And the Flyers. Uh, they have to. It's definitely the Flyers' fault. I blame this on yeah. all the Philadelphia This is 100% the, the Flyers' world. fault. Yeah, Where are like, these red things that are on, like, like, do you see, like, these boils? Like, what? They're part, that's a mating thing. Males have it to, like, attract females. Just huge bumps? I mean, This yeah. explains a lot about Frank Beamer now. <laughs> this explains a lot. Like... <laughs> It, Frank Beamer is so engulfed in the like <laughs> hokey culture that he also went and got boils on his neck. This is these are huge birds, man. Turkeys fly, right? Yeah. Uh, they do. Uh, no, they don't. They're not flightless birds. I thought penguins are the only ones that did that. No, they're like chickens. You're like chickens. Like, okay, so you're saying like they, they can, but they just don't? They, like, or they can't very can, far? Yeah, exactly. Like, they don't get high and far. I don't know. I guess that's true. I mean, like, I guess you don't really hear about like turkeys like flying above you. No, they don't like migrate. Like, sometimes they'll like, fly across the road and stuff, but yeah. it's not very. And we're not talking, like, of all the fowl to like eat, of all the poultry, uh, I don't know. Fowl. Right. It's good. I legit have a question about this. So, obviously, like, chicken and turkey are poultry, yes. But, like... From, yeah, from what I understand. Yeah, but you call duck and goose fowl. But are they not also poultry? Uh... They're both birds, right? What was the second one you said? Other than duck? Like duck and, and geese. Well, does it have anything to do with it being like tech, like mostly water? Well, so that's my next question. Yeah, that would be my next like thought. Is like maybe because like fowl is like a water based and like poultry is a land based. I don't know. Because I prefer duck to either to turkey personally, but what do I know? So PJ Fleck <laughs> or Mike Gundy? Oh my gosh. And we're back to where we started, basically. Mike Gundy to Oregon. Here we go. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, you have the excellent, excellent job of editing this. Yeah, uh, it'll be fine. I might just let it run. 
I might do a shutdown full cast. Let it ride, man. Like, let it go. We're totally look. doing that for the. So, sorry about. I Goders. mean, there's probably some Welcome. dead air whenever we were both looking up turkeys, but. Welcome back, my Goders, to the Smoking Musket podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Join here with Smithfire Thirteen. I'm Bart Keeler. We're breaking down. Uh, I don't really know what we're at at this point. Um, we're we still kinda, looking at turkeys. To be absolutely <laughs> we're we're now previewing the 2017 season in which the WVU opens up with the Virginia Tech chokies. On, yeah, uh, they're so ugly. Like the what is there like, or the turkey? What is hanging off the actual nose? This is. Hmm. I have a lot of sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. We might have to have like a turkey expert, a turkey hunting expert, like call in and give us like. <laughs> They're gonna call in. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna have a special little rod and reel fight thing that they use yeah, to yeah, yeah. communicate with us. Turkeys are gross. They're not pretty. They're large individuals, like. Things. Yeah, they're fucking massive. I remember, like, at work at one point, like, we had to go on site at this church that we were, like, renovating, and there were just four huge, like, they were honestly the biggest turkeys I've ever seen in my life. Just wild turkeys, and my boss was freaking out because he was like, Why do I not have my gun? Like, inside, <laughs> this, like, Toyota Prius. I was like, Well, it's because it's a Toyota Prius. <laughs> They don't, I don't feel like you're allowed to have a gun in a Toyota Prius. I feel like... Well, the guns won't go in. Like I said. Yeah. <laughs> they designed it this way. Unless they were made in Buffalo, West Virginia? Question mark? Guns or the turkey? <laughs> the, the car. Oh. <laughs> where, what is made in Buffalo, West Virginia? It is a Toyota, right? I think. I don't know. You probably... You have no idea what I'm talking about. There's a Toyota plant, from what I understand, in a place called Buffalo, West Virginia. I'm only yeah. familiar with like a Toyota plant and like. Alabama. I like to think that they were their trucks. I could be wrong about this. Builds engines Toyota and Toyota Motor Manufacturing in West Virginia, yeah, in Buffalo on the Kanawha River. Where is that? Not the Kanawha River. I know where that is. Automatic transmissions for the Camry, Solera, Sienna, and Lexus RX 330. Well, look at that. Yeah, there you go. So nothing to do with the Prius. Oh, it's really far. It's not. Okay, that, mm, okay. There you go. I didn't, okay, well, one, I just learned that Buffalo, West Virginia was a city. It's a and place. two. <laughs> city might be tough. Okay. Uh, I know nothing about it. Incorporated locale in the state of West Virginia. Putnam County? <laughs> but I know where Putnam County is. That's where my aunt lives, but she lives in Tage Valley, Scott Depot. Putnam County is also where Mike Bolina is from. Hurricane. But. Uh, Tays Valley Scott Depot, that's like pretty decently big, right? Yeah. yeah so, it's so. kind of a, a suburb of both Charleston and <clears throat> Huntington. Yeah. So it's a, it's a suburb of Charleston. Huntington. You're at Charleston. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That, Barbersville might it's be. There's 5,000 people in the Putnam, West Virginia. Yeah. West Putnam County I think it's one of like the top five like most populated counties in the state. County so, seat in Winfield. Don't remember that. Yeah, Winfield is that where my sense, uh, but... cousins went to high school. Played soccer there. Yeah. Winfield Generals. Shout out to uh, the Winfield Generals. There you go. Hey, I hate to bring this up, but how about your uh, Fairmont Senior High School Polar Bears? They're not mine. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to congratulate whoever that was. I did not actually get to see. I saw it was on Ruth Sports in the restaurant I was in. Um, I did not get to see who they actually lost to 
Good job. <laughs> uh, although there's like three like possible WU like players on Fairmont Senior, so um, Mingo Central beat Fairmont Senior. By the way, good job. It's not actually like I mean I think you I can't remember who won AAA, but it doesn't actually count because none of the Fairmont schools are in. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. So it's not like it's like you know like come on like it's winning the Big East without like the Big Three. West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Pitt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly right. So. But what else would you like to talk about? Well, so I do want to. Mention, I have effectively just dive bomb this podcast. I love it because I haven't had this in forever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I yeah. do want to mention, uh, by Godders out there listening, that we are probably going to do like a season. This is a season end podcast, but this is really kind of like reviewing the fact that we beat Baylor and also yeah, we'll needed... do some type of other like larger actual yeah. season. We'll have yeah. like two podcasts out before then uh, before we play the bowl game, and one of them will be hopefully a roundtable ish discussion where Smitty, myself, um, maybe WVUIE ninety seven will join us. I need to confirm that hey, with him, Mark. Yeah. Mark, yeah. whatever we want to call him. The former commandant, uh, well, he's still the commandant of the Smoky Musket. Um, I, Mike is the head honcho, that's what I'm calling him. That's not very creative, but that's what he is. Um, we, who knows? We'll have some people talk about the fact that we went 10-2, and two, we got Dana's extension. Um, your thoughts, real quickly, your thoughts about Dana getting extension. I mean, like, summarize what you thought that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast here. Um, totally fine with it. Uh, deserved. Um... People really should probably get used to the idea that he's the West Virginia coach. He's been there for like six years now. Yeah, I mean, like it's weird to know that. I mean, obviously he's the guy who took over for Bill Stewart. We're all like, <clears throat> we get very it. Much we get it. We get it. But um, looking back on that Dana Holgerson and knowing the Dana Holgerson now, a lot has changed. Yeah, um, for Dana, that's what's changed. No longer a Big East coach. Now Power Five, uh, Big Twelve coach. And without changing his like his position whatsoever, right. so um, he's he's six years in. He no longer does not have head coaching experience. Um, I think at this point, like just kind of thinking back, just remembering what 2010 was like, just knowing that uh, I mean, like we went from. I believe we were down to Norfolk State <laughs> week one. Yeah. <laughs> to uh, where we are recruiting at a pretty high level. Um, he's not like we no longer think that we're just going to get people out of Texas now. I mean, I can remember um, that those conversations were happening because we we're going to the Big Twelve, and he's like, he's able to get quarterbacks out of Texas. Um, that hasn't really been a thing. No. Really, which is interesting. Um, I don't know, like, it, just a lot of things kind of looking back and remembering some of the headlines and some of the things that we thought. And Wait, now we played at, UNLV in 2010? Yeah. yeah that Why do I not remember that? Oh, it was my June... Mm, <laughs> Why June, do I not remember this? Um, we they beat were them 49-10. to 10. Yeah, we beat the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Uh, but Sorry. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, like, he, he deserves it, I believe. I mean, he got West Virginia into third place in Big 12. It's the first time we've gotten this far. He It's not like 
Um, it's not like there's a trend down. I mean, like no, we have we 10 wins. We have a down. healthy, deep roster. He was able to do a lot of this while kind of having his hands tied. Um, if we let, lest we forget that we were, were under probation for a while there, uh, yeah, uh for that. the NCAA and we were like putting, uh, restrictions, self restrictions on our roster for a while there. And so he was coaching West Virginia in the big 12 in a largely, um, going to try like not a hugely, uh, I'm just going to say it pretty empty cupboard. Thanks yeah, it wasn't. I mean, I think a lot of that was hidden by the fact that we had really talented guys. Yes. Uh, like, obviously, really talented people. 100%. I mean, like, if but you... top to like, bottom. Yeah, that's how we ended up putting the biggies so often is because we were just able to get the 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 main guys. Right. We were able to out-talent everybody, and then our, like, second string was just as good as everyone else's second string. Right. So as long as our stars were good, we were going to win, and if... Like they ended up getting out or having bad games, it was a toss up. Um, but now we have a fully deep Big Twelve roster. We have people coming in regularly. We are, Play I don't know, on several. Yeah, we are. We have a few four stars looking at us um, every year, depending on where they come from. But that's that wasn't necessarily a thing for West Virginia before Dana Holgerson got here. Um, so yeah, give him his money. He earned it. I mean, like that. That's. He's coming off of a good season. You needed to re-sign him because you yes. have 10 wins, and now you can carry this into the offseason. Pro- I mean, who knows what this class is going to be like. I remember two years ago, everyone was talking about it. Might like that class might have been the best ever because we had so many signees in the beginning, and then not a lot really happened afterward. But, yeah, true. Uh, I'm messing with my with stuff over here I need to put down. So I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm good. I keep, keep on rambling, but that I'm fine with it. Good. I like him. I think he's a good man for the job. Um, I'm glad we got we signed him before this complete circus just broke out in the Big oh Twelve about, about coaches, and we don't have to worry about it anymore. So um, yeah, now I just kind of wonder what Kibby's gonna do. I mean, like he he also resigned, but I mean he's too good to be a defensive coordinator under Daniel Holgerson for too much longer, unless he goes the Bud Foster route. Which we'd be so lucky. We would be very lucky. I mean, I don't know if Gibby has head coaching aspirations. I have literally talked. I like. I, I, I. He might. I don't know. I've hung out with the guy like once. Uh, he's a very humble, very nice guy. Pretty funny. Um, from West Virginia. From West Virginia, which is apparently. I don't mean like humble because he's from West Virginia. I'm saying like he also he's from West. Virginia. He is from West Virginia. He played there. He coached there. I, I mean, yeah, it helps. It helps a lot, but. I don't know. No, we'll it's not like we haven't seen coaches leave West Virginia for other jobs in the past. Literally all of them. <laughs> but. Well, this is the other thing that I think people like really were weird about. We don't have like West Virginia doesn't have a history of like getting rid of coaches very quickly. The only one that we really like kind of wanted to run off was the guy before Dana, but Rich Rod left on his own accord. Unfortunately. Don Nealon stayed for forever. You know, yeah, I don't know what the what the Bowden deal, left on his own accord. I, I don't know how W did. What was it? Signetti. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure. Do we really? Uh, want to go back uh, to the that, you would have and, to bring out West Virginia University sports historian uh, WIE ninety seven. Yeah, for for more of that. But 
I mean, but like Signetti, I think he was fired, to be quite honest. But like, like since Bobby Bowden, we haven't fired a coach. I mean, we have, I mean, well, yes. Because Bobby Bowden left to go to Florida State. Don Nealon came and played for, and stayed here for 21 years. Uh, Rich Rod was well, here. We fired, we, I mean, we, we fired Bill Stewart, but yeah. I mean, in effect, we didn't. Kind of sure. Kind of bad. <laughs> we killed him, don't you know? <sighs> God rest his soul. He's a great man, I will say. I don't know. I'm, I mean, like, I don't know what people wanted. We were going to, like, uh, he was doing a decent job. He was getting us to bowl games. All but one season, he has not made a bowl game. Or he has made a bowl game. So that's your hallmark, hallmark as a coach in college football. Make bowl games. It's true. Right? I mean, we're not Georgia and want to fire a coach because he gets 9, 10, 11 wins every year, and, you know, that's not good enough for us. By the way, we get to play him. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm kind of excited for that, for personal reasons. I don't know enough about Miami. Oh, yeah, of course, for personal reasons, yeah. I'm excited. I know a lot of people wanted Pitt. I don't think Pitt was going to happen. I'm sorry. I just, I like, I was like, that's not, no one projected that. They were too far down the list in the ACC to pick them. The only, like, uh, every year, every year, every year people talk about playing either Pitt or Virginia Tech in a bowl game. Yep. Every year. And it happens every year, yep. and it never actually comes They all want it to happen, and it's just like, y'all. It's not going to, I mean, I I don't know if it's not going to happen because Pitt doesn't want it to happen or if because just, like, I don't know. I've I've, I've been let down so many times with that. I just I, – I also, I have a very weird, like, meh feeling about bowl games. Oh. Like, it's – like – See, I love bowl games. Okay. Give me give me your pitch. About bowl games? Sure. So, okay. You were – you went with me to the, the game, the BYU game, right? That was a neutral yes. site. Okay. That, I was also – I've been to a bowl game. I was there with you for the Liberty Bowl. That's right. You were there for the Liberty Bowl. Um – I don't know. I feel like bowl games are fun because Brandon Pretty Liberty was bowl, also there, by the way. Who was? Brandon Pretty was also Brandon there. Pretty was there. Yes, he was. Uh, <laughs> he, I still would like to apologize to Brandon Pretty if he is listening. Uh, for it, trying it, to get him in a bar and a brawl in the middle of the stands <laughs> with some old Miss fans about relations that they may or may not have with cows. Uh, I mean, first I off, have, they shouldn't have been there. Yes. So, story time real quick. <laughs> Smitty and I go to the, the Liberty Bowl, uh, 2014 Liberty Bowl, right? It's in Memphis. It's a drivable distance. We go there. My family's there. It's great. We're playing T- Texas A&M. Texas A&M had been in the SEC for like three years, right? This was the year after they had um, Johnny Football. Yeah. Okay. There were fans in our section who were fans of Arkansas, Ole Miss, I think there was a Mississippi State fan in there as well. But they were in, like, our ticket allotment section. Not the SEC side ticket allotment. And they were there to root, just root for the SEC team. Taunting our players, mind you. Taunting our players, us. And I have great, I take great satisfaction in the fact that no SEC team finished with fewer than four losses, except for Alabama. But they're the best conference in football. Well, you know why. Because I have to play Alabama. Because yeah, Nick Saban's from Fairmont. Well, obviously. That's He's from Monongalia. Or Monongo. Smitty encounters and has discussions with these, uh, a little I spoke back up. and forth. 
Yeah, you stuck up for the Mountaineer faithful who were there and surrounded by. I'd like to apologize for everyone in that section. Uh, emotions. Uh, I, I've been known in my life to let emotions fly, fly a little <coughs> couple, couple, couple times. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. It's been known to happen. It. This okay again. This is why I'm not going to Virginia Tech because <laughs> uh, probably already should have been in the fight in a bowl game already. I guess a Virginia Tech game isn't a bowl game, but you hear what I'm saying. Most bowl games are not against terrible fans like that. Granted, the bowl games I've been to have been Georgia fans, which are terrible. Uh, Georgia Tech fans who are nice-ish, um, as long as you don't try to like pretend you're smarter than they are. And I say that as a Georgia Tech fan. Who else have I been to? Uh, Maryland or Virginia. Virginia fans were absolutely terrible. Um, I don't remember much about the Music City Bowl against Ole Miss. I was. Did you real. not like Virginia's wine and cheese? Cheese. And no, I didn't like the fact that they made fun of us all for being rednecks and they and hillbillies and came out. Their band came out in like overalls and barefoot. But whatever. Um, also, yes, that about Virginia te- uh, Virginia fans. Uh, North Carolina fans, who I just have a general disdain for. Um, Let's see what other bowl games I've been to. This is good. So, like, what, <laughs> Clemson fans this, were okay. Clemson fans. In were case all right. this uh, this story has not been told on the podcast, Bart and I went to a soccer game recently, and we ended up running into a couple SEC fans there. Oh God! And, yes, we haven't talked about this. Oh yeah. my God! So yeah. And so we yes. just ended up just going down the list of all the teams we hate, and we kind of decided that there might actually. I mean, it, it might be quicker just to. Teams that they were just okay. Yeah. Rather than <laughs> exploiting all the teams Clemson that we hate. fans didn't suck. They were they were pretty decent, actually. Until we, like, absolutely whooped them, and then they turned around and left with their tails between their legs. But they were pretty cool before that. A&M fans were not. I'm sorry. They were not okay. I don't even mean the people we encountered in our section that were not A&M fans, but the A&M fans were kind of, like, super assholes. Um, I mean, I did okay. <laughs> hey I'm trying to think. Those are really it. BYU fans were weird, too. They weren't accustomed to, like, encountering other species of humans. Yeah, BYU fans were very, yeah. They weren't, they're not aware that, like, I don't know. They're they're obviously very... We're college football fans. No, they're not. They're BYU fans. They're not college football fans. It's it's very, very odd. I was very disappointed in my cousins, who are huge fans of my other cousin, Joseph Smith. (laughs) Direct relation, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. com confirmed it. <laughs> what? Also, okay, number one, uh, also, I would, again, would like to apologize to Brandon Pretty for almost getting into a fight. <laughs> um, but uh, what else would you like to talk about? I really, I'm, I'm at the end of my list here. Um, Question. Yes. How do you feel about actual day of, like, birth photos on Facebook? Okay, so I have a very... Uh, strong opinion about this because babies are ugly when they're first born. <laughs> Do not post pictures of yourself who, I'm sorry, you're ugly at that point, and your child who is also ugly at that point, the day they are born. Like, do not give me hospital pictures of your baby. Except well, for, like, well, the one, like, from the glass that you're looking at the baby through the glass. That's whatever. That's a different thing. Sure. Uh, how do you feel about, like, the, the, um, hmm, the partially, like, I'm in a gown... And it's highly evident that I'm naked, holding my baby. 
Like I understand, like the it's a it's a miracle of life. I, I get, get it. it. I've seen it. it. Whatever. We're moving on. Is it for Facebook though? Yeah. Like yes, of, it is for Facebook. Or think, yeah, that's that's a legit question. No, I think question. it's like I think it is a it is for Facebook. Like that is a picture you. And granted, those are pictures that our parents may have taken, but like you didn't see them on Facebook. But like, well, I, I really want my daughter. Like, I don't want to see that on Facebook. You, that is a picture you send to your mom and dad to be like, "Hey, mom and dad, you're a grandpa- you're a grandparent now. Congratulations." Right? Like, they're the only people who truly like that is a picture you legitimately just send a mass text message to all your friend or your all your family. Congratulations, we got a new member of the family. No one else cares about your bloody red. <laughs> yellow baby at that point i'm sorry i don't know what are your feelings about day of birth photos on facebook i mean i just i don't know man i feel it's it's, it's a little weird i don't know pretty i just babies are not pretty at that point i'm sorry just don't do it i mean i, I don't disagree I, I feel like i probably wouldn't have brought it up if i didn't if i didn't uh, clearly you experienced it today or something i mean yeah it was just very odd how should we wrap this up uh mountaineers are 10 and 2 Finish the season ten to two, seven or two yep. in the conference. Finish third in the Big Twelve Conference. They will now meet the Miami Hurricanes in a revival of an old Big East rivalry, not the rivalry that TCU and Baylor play for, but a revival of the old Big East rivalry between the Mountaineers and the Hurricanes. We haven't played since two thousand three. Please, while you're at it, subscribe to this thing we call a podcast. There you go. And uh, you can find us on iTunes at The Smoking Musket. While you're there, rate us. Uh, excuse me, The Smoking Musket Podcast. And while you're there, rate us. Uh, subscribe to Smoking Musket on YouTube. And follow at Smoking Musket on Twitter. Like The Smoking Musket on Facebook. And visit www.smokingmusket.com for daily news, notes, and opinions about WVU sports. Uh, I think we have covered everything we need to cover Thank you very much to Mike Kazaza for coming on and breaking down the Dana Holgerson contract extension. Uh, shout out to John Lowe for his commentary on WVU's win over Virginia in basketball. Appreciate his insight. And, Smitty. Yes. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. It was uh, very, very awesome to be it, back. It, I appreciated your, your presence on the podcast again. Uh, it's lovely to be back. Um, I hope. I guess I'll be. Am I coming back next week? Is that? What's I think happening? we're going to do that next week. Next week, look out for like a roundtable discussion on all things WVU football, the state of the program, if you will, uh, heading into bolt season. We might make predictions. We may. Ju- we might just talk. I'm not really quite sure what the plan is. I don't have a plan for that. Actually, it's just kind of hit record and we'll go. Yeah. <laughs> all right, now, dear. Thank you very much. Podcast again. I am Bart Keeler. Thank you. Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? Yes, you may. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.